Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's both an honor and a pleasure to welcome my next finally guest to the podcast, or guest finally to the podcast. Uh, He spent just under 17 years in the Navy, most of which as a Navy SEAL. 13 deployments, 53 collective awards, uh, two of which were silver stars, four bronze stars with Vs, uh, several JCOMs with Vs, th- several Navy comms with Vs, three presidential unit citations. He is the RJO apparel owner, a former Fox News contributor. He's got soft hands and is one hell of a kisser. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, <laughs> Rob, the real deal Navy SEAL O'Neill. <laughs> Mike, it is about time we did this. Uh, I know we were trying to get in studio for a number of years now, but yeah. it, you know what it turns out is that Texas is like a big place. It's fucking Every huge. time I go to Texas, it's like, yeah, I can come up, and it's like, oh, wait, it's a nine-hour drive. Yeah, but no, yeah, I mean. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, well, so halfway to San Diego from where I live is still in Texas. Oh, is that, yeah, that's true, isn't it? I've heard yeah. about that. Yeah, El Paso is the halfway point. It's fucking still in Texas. It's crazy. Yes, yes. Hey, hey, by the way, we were just talking about how nothing's ever been said. Soft hands, great kisser. No one's ever said that, that right? about me, let alone <laughs> on an intro. So I really appreciate yeah. the kind I mean, words. It's true. I mean, hmm. you know. Yeah, pretty good. I was yeah. in the Navy for a while. We yeah. get at that shit, I guess. Yeah. I know we're a little short on time. Typically, I have a, a thorough outline, which I, I still do, but it's uh, it's abbreviated some, so I'm going to kind of condense everything I would normally do. What's your favorite condiment? Mayonnaise. Have you been asked that before on an interview? No, so you already, so you already did that. I guess that's, that's a wrap. <laughs> All right, well, it's good having you. I appreciate it. Uh, what What is the best like I killed Osama bin Laden story that you have like out in town, somebody that you met or that recognized you or, or whatever. Is there one that kind of stands out kind of like the Rob Riggle thing of, you know, like somebody. Yeah. That... Well, the Rob Riggle thing is awesome. Cause that was pretty much the most accurate thing that happened. Because, <laughs> you know, we had a, the only thing inaccurate about that was they were in San Diego. We were actually in Virginia beach and we went yeah. to um, the ready room, which is actually the bar near Damneck where Charlie Sheen, Got that fight, kiss the guy in the movies, Navy SEALs, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, no, the, the best story that I have um, as far as that was I had a, I was in Las Vegas and I, I, I have to name drop on this one because the story's funny. But I was there with, with Kid Rock. He, he's playing a show that night and then I've got a speech the next day. 
And so he's getting ready for a show. And he said, do you want to go outside and smoke a cigar? And I was like, yeah, cool. So we got in the elevator. And now he, now when he, when he's Bob Ritchie, he doesn't, you know, he's got a backwards hat and looks like a normal dude. Yeah. But when he's Kid Rock, he's, he looks like fucking Kid Rock. Yeah. Like he's got like the seventies pimp. And the, dude, the dope as shit. Yeah. So we get an elevator. I'm like this, I got a t-shirt, whatever. He's Kid Rock. This dude gets in the elevator and recognizes me, but he sort of knew the Bin Laden thing, but he knew me as my Instagram name. He goes, Mikuya. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And I'm kind of looking around and he goes, oh my God, this is crazy. Will you take a picture with me? And I go, do you mind if fucking Kid Rock takes it? And he goes, the kid looks over, looks back at me, he goes, what fucking elevator did I just walk into? <laughs> so, that, that really stands out. And it's like, it's like, dude, Kid Rock is standing there and you recognize my dumbass uh, from Instagram. Dude, that's fucking great, man. Mm. Did he take the picture? Yeah. Or did he get? He did. It? Oh shit! He well, he, the... he he did to take the picture, and then we took a selfie to prove yeah. that that, yeah, uh, that, that was him. Yeah. That's fucking great. Yeah, and I had to skip the concert though. I had like a six a.m. speech. I'm not going out till five a.m. before yeah. speech. Is the uh, I mean, is it something that you still get recognized like all the time for, uh, or or has that yeah. died down at all? I, you know what? It's it's um it's one of those things where, like like uh, if you can imagine, there are haters on the internet. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll get in the comments like some jackass will say, hi, I'm Rob O'Neill, and I haven't been, been, mentioned Bin Laden for the last three minutes, making yeah. fun of me, right? And I'm yeah. like, what, what do you think every fucking person I meet every fucking day asks me yeah. about? Everybody. everybody the, everyone yeah. that recognizes me asks me the same fucking questions. And it's almost the point like, well, you didn't kill Bin Laden. I'm like, sometimes I wish I didn't. Yeah. I'm just telling you what happened, and now I can't get away from it. So, yeah. I mean, it's people do. And, but in person, everyone's been really cool, Yeah. Um, especially like in New York. It's just people are awesome. Uh, airports people are funny because they'll um, people will re- they want to have a drink and so they like buy me a shot but then someone else saw that person buy me a shot so they want a shot yeah and then it's like wow you <clears> ten <throat> guys just had a shot I had ten shots and, <laughs> now you know, I'm next thing up. you know you get yeah, you get kicked off an airline yeah well that uh, that happened the last time you were on your way here I think to uh, to to try to work this out if I if I remember right right was it yeah it was there was there's been a few incidents but <laughs> like a spru- like the- true irish team guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like i've been on I've, I've been i've flown millions of miles the past few years you have three bad incidents what's the big deal it's yeah. a pretty good it's a percentage, percentage thing, yeah. yeah no that's, yeah, that's yeah, true especially say like with team guys like well a lot of places fly me first class they're serving free booze to a navy yeah. seal not yeah. a good idea yeah, what do you expect do you, uh, do you get tired of it like do you get tired of being asked a lot of the same shit or is it just like well it's part of the gig well, and I- it's, it's part of the gig, um, and, and it's not really – well, I mean, like, like I mentioned before, if someone like, gives me too much shit, it's the same questions a lot. I know the answers, but I do love uh, meeting people face-to-face because they've – you know, they, they have their own experience, both of 9-11 and where they were when they found out Bin Laden was dead. And I, I love to share it with people, especially when I get the responses from people who lost someone in the Twin Towers. Yeah, uh, Never the same um, – Never the same story, never the same response. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to someone, a woman that was was talking to her husband, and, and she was telling him to get out of the towers. And it just went, you know, he said, I'm fine, it's the other tower. And then all of a sudden the phone goes dark, and that's the last time she heard from him. And she said to put a name with the face of this mission, you know, stuff like that. And that doesn't get old at all. Yeah. Um, the only thing that really gets old, seriously, are the drinks. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good, another good problem to have, I guess. And that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, shit. As you guys know, as I have gotten older, I've paid a little closer attention to my health and specifically the nutrition aspect. You got to have good fuel if you're going to feed the machine or fuel the combat chassis, as they say. And this next partner is a product that I use literally every day. 
I started taking athletic greens um, because I, I noticed a both brain fog and joint pain issue that uh, has just kind of crept up as I've gotten older. And uh, also like from a bloating and gut health standpoint, uh, just as I get older, I kind of started to notice that. And I started taking athletic greens and I like to, to try everything, um, you know, for a few weeks before I really kind of give it the the thumbs up or thumbs down. And this stuff I, I noticed within about 10 days, um, just kind of a, a bettering of symptoms in all those areas, less bloating, um, more kind of brain cognition and less joint pain. Um, and this stuff is, is super high concentrated. It's uh, just one scoop a day that you can put into really anything that you want to drink or normally drink. It's got 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, uh, and adaptogens. And um, it's easy uh, light from a lifestyle-friendly standpoint. It, it, it's really easy to take. It ta- uh, contains less than one gram of sugar, so whether it's insulin or <clears throat> if you're diabetic or you just don't want the carbohydrates, etc., it's good to go there and has uh, just really high quality nutrient dense ingredients that your body needs uh, while it still still actually tastes pretty good. Uh, I do sleep better and recover uh, noticeably faster. Like I, I don't I don't feel as sore on it. <clears throat> uh, the mental clarity is is definitely noticeable, uh, and it's not very expensive, um, which is you know not that I'm not willing to uh, you know pay for for something that's that's good, but it's it's less than three bucks a day. And uh, the the founder actually started it when uh, kind of a similar story, experienced a lot of gut health issues, and uh, you know wanted to to address that, and so that's kind of where it stems from and and uh, springboards off of. But um, it, it really is an all in one nutritional uh, experience and, and kind of a, a health insurance for protecting um, you know your your joints and your body and things of that nature. So. I strongly encourage it. I've had good success with it, and I think you guys uh, would dig it too. It, uh, they're actually uh, <clears throat> going to give you a free one-year supply of uh, vitamin D and five free travel pa- packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash mic drop, all one word. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash mic drop. And uh, go ahead, check those guys out, and uh, give it a shot. I think you'll dig it. Uh, have you, I'm assuming you've been to the, the Freedom Tower and the, the spot yep. in New York. Like, is, is there a, an element of um, gravity, I guess, that's hard to wrap your mind around going to that, like the full circleness of well, it all? The, um, the 9-11 Museum Memorial, I think everybody, not just Americans, but everyone who remembers 9-11 should go through because I think we want to say it's 84-plus countries lost uh, people in, in the towers. And it takes you through the day. It's not a happy place. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a like chronological the Holocaust walk. Museum in DC. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And you start off on like there's a I think you know, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but there's a big photo right when you start. It's all in order. Right when you start, there's a someone had set up a camera across the water, taking pictures every few minutes of the twin towers, and his project was something like th- some things never change. Or something like that, and he's taking. He started on 9/11. Wow! And all of a sudden, the towers. It's he has the last known picture of it. Yeah. And then you go through. Um, you can hear the you know the calls from from people in the tower uh, calling loved ones when, when they realize they're going to die and they all they want you know. And no one expressed hate. It was always love. You know, I just want to tell you how much I love you. And it goes through Flight 93, which is 
that's the first Americans who fought Al Qaeda, toe to toe, took a vote, and fought Al Qaeda. You go through that whole thing, and then like there are some of the trucks are still there. A lot of artifacts are there. They there's um there are some parts of that exhibit that there are. I think trigger warnings are bullshit, but these are justified. Yeah. If you turn this corner, you got to be ready. There's um someone wrote, and you can see their blood on the note, eighty fourth floor trapped, and he threw it. Wow. And uh, his family eventually got it because of the 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 first responders that eventually found the forensics who it was. Uh, it takes it through it, and then it goes through. Uh, you know what? They just had an exhibit called the Hunt for Bin Laden, which was temporary. Uh, so I had some. I actually had this. Uh, this was in there for a number of years. That's my body armor I wore on the mission. Yeah, that's awesome. um, and and like Cheese had Cairo stuff in there and some of his stuff. And then they took interviews of I think there's maybe eight of us that were on the mission and had different spots. You looked at it. Uh, they got rid of it. I don't know why it was amazing. Um, but then you go to the end and I, I donated a shirt that was there and the American flag on, on my shoulder. And, and I never, this is before really anybody knew, just like the tight circle of team guys kind of knew what happened. And I donated that anonymously. Like, I just want people to know this shirt was there. I don't want my name on any of that stuff. But, um, you know, it was then that I met the, the families of 9-11. And uh, that's, you know, it's kind of like you need to, yeah. you need to tell people what happened. Yeah. incredible place now the freedom tower that's awesome and you it, it, you need to get to that after i recommend that after you see the the memorial because there's a there's an elevator that takes you to the top um and it's with the antenna it's uh, 1776 feet tall and the elevator up there though it's going fast obviously but they have a screen and it, it looks like you're looking out on new york but it start, it's, it, as you're going up, it has a timeline of what the year is. And it starts when New York started building. And so you're, like, you're looking at it build up as you're going wow. up. Fuck, that's and it cool. gets like this. It's awesome. And, and you're right next to the towers. And from the 60s, it shows the towers. And then at 9-11, they're gone. And then you're up there. And then all of a sudden, you get out. And there's, uh, you're on top of the – it's amazing. You're on top of New York. And you can see everything. And it gives you perspective of, you know, we're at the – when it's all said and done, we're not going to be defeated yeah. and look at this great city. But it also gives you a moment of pause. Like, you know, someone looked down and made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's we'll never know. Go ahead. We'll never know what it was like inside the windows on the world. Yeah. Um, because when, when you look down and grab a stranger's hand and the better alternative is jumping. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, I mean, every, every year when those images get replayed and, and, and you kind of go back to that that morning and and think of that. It 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 every year it never dwindles or uh, becomes less emotional or um, never. or or wavers at all in terms of of how how that impacts me. I know, and it, and it sounds like you and I think a lot of people to to think of of what that must have been like to get to that fucking point. You know, um, and we'll never know. I mean, the closest you get is the phone calls, but yeah, um, the. the I mean, there were people jumping one after another, and like even there's a there's a there's a picture of people jumping that were holding hands. And if you sit there and just look at the picture, you wonder now: did, did these two know each other? Were they married? Are they brother and sister? Who are they? Yeah. And and you see people; their last gesture of human decency was holding their dresses down so you couldn't see them yeah. as they fall yeah. thousand feet to their death. It's just, it's crazy. And 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 it's I think it's important to you know we mentioned trigger warnings a bit ago. This needs to be shown. They say, well, yeah. this upsets too many people. Bullshit. You need to see this. Oh, agreed. And that's real. And you're seeing this, I mean, even right now with the situation in Ukraine, I kind of want to shake some of these pencil neck college students. Like, 
you still happy with communism? You fuck face. Yeah. This is what communism. Does. Yeah. Well, that that and and for those that uh, think well, that could never happen, like it's happening right now. It's fucking happening. The, the right things now, that you're saying that, that are justifying all of the bullshit mechanisms that you want to put in place here. That that when people say no, this is why you don't want to do that, and you say well, that can't happen. It's happening, and, and you're seeing it's happening it happen. right now. And yeah. we haven't, I mean, including 9-11, we haven't seen a war like this since, I mean, yeah. we haven't since the 30s. The closest we had was when Saddam Hussein took Kuwait. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, I can tell it's some shell shock to a lot of people. I mean, and, and I like to say, uh, I say it in my new book that it's a, it's a big planet, but it's a small world. Yeah. And um, I'm even seeing, and, and to give them credit, because I don't, I think social media should be taken tongue in cheek. There was a, 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 a feminist that said something about World War Three, and she said, "I'm going back in the kitchen. Fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> make some sandwiches." Of humor. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's fucking great. Uh, so we'll, we'll get back into that stuff. Uh, everybody's going to want to know, and, and we're going to launch this episode faster than than a week, uh, yeah, so that it's thanks. not super old. But um, I do like to ask, "What is your?" Uh, which I just wanted to get some quick background. Uh, what's your daily routine look like? Like, or I'm sorry, your morning well, routine. <clears throat> Morning routine. Um, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, big believer that you need to get the fuck out of bed. Um, get up. Um, early. It's not the, I mean, I'm, I, I like to get up early. It depends on the night before, but I, I do like to. I like to watch the sunrise. Uh, sure. Get up and then and then. Um, and we had this conversation with some friends, a couple of us, about the whole make your bed thing. I'm a big believer in make your bed the right way every morning. However, no one's really going to see it, so if you don't feel like it. Fuck it. Not, not a big deal. I still I don't understand why the women put those nine non-essential pillows on their. They all do it. Yeah, they do it. No one sees them. And if someone sees that bed, what the fuck are you doing here? You know? <laughs> no shit. Somebody uh, is seeing um, them. Yeah, why are you seeing them? No, but I tell you what, man. If you, uh, fifty, uh, you know, I'm not one of those. You know, there's we have those Navy SEALs that are the top one percent. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not that guy yeah. that can get up and do it. But, but I'm a big believer in 15, 20 minutes of something. Do something. Yeah. If it's a, uh, you know, if it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Get up and just crush a crossword, crossword workout. Awesome. But if you don't feel like it, just doing something is better than not doing shit. It's going to make you feel better. Even if I, I love yoga yeah. or you know just stretching. Um, yeah, get to the gym. Um, get outside. Do you? So I think people. I mean, do you, do you do something physical first thing when you when you first wake up yes. for fifteen or twenty minutes? Yeah. And so, like, even yeah, if yeah. it's stretching, push ups, whatever, you just do something. I like I like planks. I mean, if I can get to the gym, like you know, if I'm up in the Northeast like I am right now, the gym's quite a ways away. It just fucking sucks. It's cold and icy. Like right now, it's ice rain. Yeah. So something indoors, like you can you can do burpees anywhere. You can hold a plank anywhere. So I like that shit. And I think it gets it going. And then, you know, obviously coffee, you got to start with coffee. I actually work out after coffee. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, coffee's a whole, I, I'll drink coffee until about 6 PM and it's either scotch or, or water <laughs> or both. Yeah. Maybe a little mix. Uh, but then I, I, you know, in general, I've been so busy lately. It's uh, it, you know, it's wake up the cars here. So coffee, car, airport. Um, I know some TSA agents and flight attendants by name. Oh, shit. Then it's fly somewhere. And then when I get somewhere, it's either the, like I speak that night or I make an appearance that night or the next day. So then it's going to be, um, uh, you know, room service, workout, room service, yeah. uh, ambient, which I'm a huge fan of. So you, you still take that shit all the time, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. I like it. I mean, it's, I, I, you know, you, you do build up an immunity, immunity to it. Like I'm good for maybe two, three hours on ambient. Yeah. No shit. The, uh, the speaking gigs, I am curious in terms of, uh, the, the, the breadth and depth of, of the speeches that you give topics to who is it just super wide, wide variety, uh, all sorts of different things, or is there kind of a, a few things that you well, cover? It's, um, it's a wide variety and I, I target whichever business 
or um, you know whomever I'm speaking. Uh, but kind of the point of of what I'm saying is that the traits that were common as Navy SEALs are traits that are common to success anywhere. And I, I don't know anyone that you know hasn't done what they've done without a team. Like you, you usually have support. Granted, there are people that you know start from scratch and do it. No, but usually have people with you. And um, like I'm, I've always been a big believer in morale. Like if you if you if you can make sure your people want to come to work, they're going to work harder. And nobody wants to work for a dick. I make people write that down. Nobody wants to work for a fucking dick. Like um, a lot, of, some people get get into power, and they have immediate power, and they want to abuse it. Prime example: take the gate guard. Yeah. The E two gate guard. Yeah, he has power over you. He can turn you the fuck around. Yeah. Just knock it off. And, but I, you know, I had bosses that would say please and thank you. No shit. From that seal team six didn't need to, but they did. Yeah. And then. Um, like when I fucked up, which is, well, everyone fucks up all the time. I think like you learn from mistakes um, instead of like coming at me with like, you screwed up and yelling at you. Cause I'd be defensive and I'd fight back. He would just say, uh, man, you're, you're better than that. And leave. <laughs> yeah. ah! No, no better way to make uh, you feel like an asshole. Yeah. You're better than that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I'd also tell like, um, I tell people that um, don't believe that bullshit about going to war. No fear. No, it's like, come on. No. Yeah. Everyone's been afraid. And regardless of your, the, you know, it's your first day in high school or it's your first day at the company and you become CEO or your first day at boot camp and you end up in Bin Laden's bedroom. We all have our first day. Yeah. We've all been nervous, but time heals everything and you will get used to it. Whatever yeah. it is, you'll get used to it. And also whatever it is, get over it. Don't hold a grudge. It's, it's shit's weighing you down. Bag of bricks. Yeah. So I, I kind of just, it's more emotional. Like when people say Bud's is um more, more mental than physical, that's kind of nonsense. But a lot of mental comes into it and, and mentality is a lot. Mindset is everything. Keep your team happy, effectively communicate with them. Um, Cause I, I've never been a big believer. Well, at some point of um, abuse of power would be like, well, like the cool shit in the movies. Well, I said, need to know basis that you don't need to know bullshit. Your people need to know what they're doing and why, Yeah. you know, now having said that, if we're going to Bin Laden's place and you have a stealth bomber above me that I don't need to know about, fuck it. He's up there. Yeah. Great. Yeah, but it, tell, tell, make sure your people know what they're doing and why. So yeah. it's kind of like that. And then, and then, like I said, it's a blessing and a curse. But I can always resort back to fun stories. Yeah, is there a most surprising group that has brought you in to have you speak to them that, that most people would not expect to bring you in and talk to them? Yes, there was a. Um, and have you been um, asked that before? Is that, is that there was three? a? Have I been what? Have you been asked that before? Is that a third? No, I, I, ha I know I've sort of been asked that one. So we're gonna we're gonna chalk that one, but. I got asked to speak to um, there's a there's a membership at the Red Cross, and I um, it's something circle. I should have looked this up, but it's um, they're mostly nurses and they're high donors to the Red Cross. And it was um, an all, like basically an all female event, and it was it was um, successful women. Some husbands were there, and it was just neat to talk to a group of women as opposed to you know these like yeah rah 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 let's go drink beer, but like people like first responders, nurses, but successful business people. And it was just really interesting to, um, like I opened for Trace Atkins. I was like, this is awesome. Oh shit. So that's like one of the most unique. Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. He's a cool guy too. Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds cool. I mean, so you just got up in front of the audience and, and talked for a little bit before he came out and played. Um, or yeah, you I got there? up and talked. To the, well, I kind of talked to, and they were having dinner and then he played. And then, um, it was like a, oh, I you gotcha. know, like I said, it, there wasn't a lot of other husbands there. So it was, just more of a bunch yeah. of cool concert type yeah. shit. Yeah, that's good shit. Um, but I've spoken to everybody. I mean, it's been, I, you know, surface finishing to power lines to, you know, hedge fund managers in New York. I've had dudes 
like 12 really successful dudes in New York that uh, when I first started speaking, they're like, well, we got to hire somebody for tonight. They hit up one of the speaking agencies. Like, well, we just hire this Navy SEAL. I guess he can probably make it there. And I did. And so, you know, you end up in a high rise in New York or, or uh, you know, I've been shooting tanks on a ranch in Texas. Yeah. Uh, fucking Texas. Been, yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> I know it's fucking nuts here. It's it's it's, yeah. its own thing. Um, is that would you say primarily what you do is speaking nowadays? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That was that was going to be a part time gig when I got out of the Navy because I didn't really know what to do. I didn't know um, I didn't know what I was capable of because I don't have a degree. And oh, well, um, a lot of veterans are like that, too. That, yeah, that's what they tell you. But <laughs> the shit you learn in the military is um, the way you can communicate, the way you can. You know what veterans are good at is sol- not all, but uh, a lot. A lot of special operators are good at solving problems. Yeah. The bobs. Uh, they're they're essentially the bobs from office space. <laughs> that's it, Efficiency yeah. experts. So, yeah. But it turned into a, um, you know, I got one one speech. I, you know, I got out in August of 2012. So I got a speech September, August, September, and then like two in November. And then the way the speaking industry works is it, you run, they don't really advertise it, but it's like word of mouth yeah. that if you're good, there's probably three people in the audience that have access to people that want to hire good speakers. Yeah. And so kind of, and I, I got to a point where I gave, I think maybe 250 in a year. Jesus. Yeah. It was a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot of flying. That's a lot of getting burnt out in cars and stuff. It's, yeah. it's a, are you usually no. doing like PowerPoint and all that, or did you just get up and fucking? No, no, no. I, uh, I, well, I, I use Apple Keynote, which is um, <clears throat> kind of like PowerPoint, but I don't. Nobody, nobody wants to be read to. Yeah. So I don't put words up there. I put pictures. Uh, my buddy McBee, uh, Darren McBee, Epic Teams, uh, he's got a lot of pictures he took of SEAL training and skydiving, and I'd rather just have a picture and then. Cause I don't take notes either. I don't, I don't want to get up there with notes because if you fuck up what you're saying, you're, you're going to lose your place. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big way. believer in it. Yeah. And just have a story related to something and a picture, because if I forget what I'm talking about, that'll remind me of something yeah, like the bin Laden as a public dick pic. speaker, the dick pic of bin Laden. Yeah. I can talk about <laughs> huge, huge crash. Um, um, but, um, what you got to realize is, is, um, you're probably the subject matter expert compared to the people listening. So if you forget what you're saying, just start talking about something that you know about yeah. and it's going to, it's going to work itself out. And I, you know, I learned, I learned that the hard way. I used to keep little notes over here, but you screw that up and you watch people read. It's just boring. Yeah. Oh, that, um, or you say the same shit twice. You're like, Oh wait, fuck. I already talked. See, about that's that. I, I've done that before. And I've wondered yeah. if I, have I just, have I told this story yeah. just, just now? Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm there with you. I don't, I don't do a ton of it. I do some and, and yeah, I'm, I'm right there, there with you the same way. Uh, you're originally from Montana, right? I am. Where, yeah, Butte, uh, Montana. Butte, Montana. Can you talk just a little yes. bit about your childhood and uh, kind of overall what that yeah, yeah, experience that, was like? That's uh, Southwest Montana, and it's on. It's right on the Continental Divide, which is where the rivers decide to go east or west. It's kind of cool. We're right near the um, the Three Forks, which is the Gallatin, Jefferson, Addison rivers. They turn into the Missouri and then they go um, into the Mississippi down to uh, down south. So uh, I grew up there. Butte, Montana is like a, it's like a bubble, like most small towns where this is kind of the center of the universe. And, and I, you know, almost a fear of failure. I don't want to leave town because it's scary out there type shit. And I, um, but you know, we got really good at hunting, uh, elk hunting, awesome mountains, um, fly fishing, which is incredible. Who was your biggest shooting uh, influence growing up? Your dad? I'm a shooting. Yeah. Like for, yeah, my dad, um, But it's not because we, we kind of learned ballistics together. We didn't really, I mean, we started like, we started hunting the same reason I joined the Navy. 
uh, we both got dumped by girls. So it's like, fuck, let's learn how to do something. <laughs> so he went through his second divorce and we went hunting. We went hunting in like a, a four-door Subaru car with my uncle. And we had to borrow a rifle. We went after antelope, which I think the fastest <laughs> animal in North America. And um, yeah, we kind of just learned to shoot. We, 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 our, our logic at first, because we played basketball. That's what we did. We didn't, we didn't go out. Then we started going out like when I was in junior high. And um, we would shoot at, at milk cartons. And we figured if you could hit the milk carton on the handle, the gallon milk, you're going to hit the animal, which made sense. But like we're sighting in from like 85 yards. Like we don't know what's what. Like then we started studying the realization. Of, and there's always the argument is it 25 yards or do the 100 or 200. But um, we kind of got into it and learned how to read wind. Um, you know, learned how to use use wind as far as hunting animals. We got really good to the point where we were hunting a caribou in Alaska and stuff like that. I, I, we would we would get a bull elk every year. A lot of people don't. Um, don't get bulls, but a lot of people are lazy. Yeah. Um, so you got to learn how to hunt them, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that was, a, he, he was a big influence. We, we would hunt all the time. He's, he was awesome. It was, a, it was the best time of the year um, hunting season in Montana. Cause it's, it's just huge up there. You can get lucky with like a moose permit or a, a bear, or um, we got a bighorn sheep one year, which is awesome. Um, and then fly fishing, like even right now, you know, it took me a couple of years being out of the teams to want to go camping. Cause it's like, fuck that. I, yeah. I'm not sleeping outside ever again. Um, it's like team guys will walk five miles out of the way just to not get their feet wet. Yeah. <laughs> but like right now, standing in the middle of a river and not hearing shit, you don't have cell service. You just hear the water and fly fishing is like, you don't even, I don't need to get a bite just, just out there, man. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty cool. But we did that. And then, um, I was playing basketball. I, my, my goal was to play in college, which I started doing, but I was, you know, I was always thinking just, you know, I'm from Butte, Montana, someone from. Miami is going to be much better than me. Someone from Chicago, way better than me. Someone from New York, way tougher than me. But, um, you know, we're all cut from the same cloth. And you can, that's what joining the military is awesome because you, you realize that. Yeah. Uh, so growing up. Other than the top one percenters, you know. There's, yeah, yeah, well. You know, they're the dudes that will smoke cigarettes yeah. all night and run a five-minute mile. Fuck that's, them. That's right. Um, did you uh, have siblings and, and overall was the relationship? It sounds like with your dad was good. Uh, mom, parents, et cetera. Was, was there anything about your childhood that you would say was abnormal or stood out as being different now that you look back on it and formative? Um, no. Um, the only thing that was abnormal is, and I learned this at Bud's because I was for a while, the fastest guy in the class uh, on really? the runs because I grew up at 7,000 feet. I didn't know that was not normal um, to, cause you're not, I mean, it's not that I'm fast. It's that I wasn't breathing air for 18 years. <laughs> that was it. And it's like, well, we, um, Cause like when we would, my brother, I have an older brother and he was a, a, a an all state cross country runner, but he would go down to like San Francisco and run those races, the road races that crush people. Yeah. Cause he's, you know, he's still running a five forty five for a five K, but it's at, at altitude. And it, 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 and for some reason we didn't know why it's like, the, like in Butte, Montana, they don't know nutrition. Yeah. Like the mayonnaise. That was my favorite condiment. Cause I thought you put that on everything. Yeah. Um, eating Big Macs before a basketball game. We didn't know any better. We put gravy on shit, like yeah. everything. That's Texas for but, you. Too. I mean, it's just, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, uh, I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, the, just I say from a nutrition standpoint, like I know the shit that, that we thought was good and, and bad or not or, or whatever back then. And, and, you know, whether it's carb loading or just the shit that you'd put in your body. I mean, most kids ate, ate bowls of cereal for breakfast, you know, when we yeah, were kids. Yeah, right. And, and, uh, you well, know, you heard it was nutritious for you. So. Yeah, yeah, it's good for you. Um, <laughs> so you had an older brother, any sisters? I have two sisters, one younger and one older. I actually work with one of them right now. Really? Um, is yeah, that... she kind of, I call, I call her my chief of staff because she kind of runs 
uh, I don't, you know, it's, you know, I'm a speaker. I make appearances. I have a clothing line, beer company, uh, the book stuff, hot sauce. So she kind of keeps everything under one umbrella for me. Yeah. The, uh, uh, and then a younger sister who is probably the funniest person I've ever met. She's so funny. Um, like she and I would hang out in high school. We we're both in high school at the same time. And like, we go, uh, like to the coffee shop and smoke cigarettes. You can smoke inside because we didn't you know nutrition. Yeah. And, um, I came back. I, I I've deployed a lot. I hadn't, I didn't see her for a full two years. Here's how funny she is. So this is my kind of family. I think uh, I learned how to tell jokes from my brother and everyone, you know, morale. I walked two years. I hadn't been home. And as a young man, that's a lot, especially growing up in Montana, I walked in and uh, there's, there's stories about my brother, Tom in the new book, the way forward, but I walk in, he's in, he lived in a duplex by himself. And he's smoking this fat bowl. I walk in, I go, Tommy, what are you doing? And he uh, he looks at me and he goes, he goes, drugs. <laughs> so I'm laughing at him. And I go over and give him a hug and it's whatever. And then Kelly walks in. She's my best friend in the world. Hadn't seen me in two years. Doesn't say a word. She just kind of gives me a nod and announces to the room. Somebody give me a beer and a smoke before I kick some fucking ass. You know, it's like. That's your, your little sister home. talking about it. My little sister. Yeah. She was 21 at the yeah. time. So that's, yeah, that's fucking great. Uh, well, we went to, I mean, okay, I'm not trying to justify her being 21. We went, we went to, um, there was a place called the Chaparral in Butte, Montana, shithole of a bar, but they had karaoke every night. And so I think Kelly might've been 17. <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to sneak her in with my mom, my dad, and my older <laughs> sister, my older brother. And we're walking in there. So Kelly's the only one that's not even an adult, let alone 21. And the bouncer goes to my parents and me. He's like, ID, ID, ID. Kelly, you're good. ID, ID. <laughs> like, what was that? How, how are you good? <laughs> uh, good, good relationship now with, uh, with all your family members. Yeah, yeah, they're all great. They're all good. Everyone's still kicking. They're all in Montana. Yeah, that's good shit. Um, all right, so it sounds like the inspiration for joining the Navy was uh, you broke up with a chick, or, or she dumped yeah. you. Yeah, she dumped me. Um, I was playing basketball, so I was on my uh, – the only time your plan works is when you're planning. Yeah. So my plan was go play basketball, hopefully get college paid for, um, and then get an MBA and then work with my dad, be a broker. He's a broker in town. And um, I got dumped. And um, I, it was one of those things. It's like, fuck it. I'm over it. And and I've seen this saying that people are cut from the same cloth. I've seen this everywhere I've gone. Fredericksburg, Virginia. I've you know been at a bar where someone the age I was when I left said, I just got to get out of this place. And that's what I was saying to people like that. I just got to get out of this place. We all have that in common. At some point, we all said, fuck this. I got to get out. Yeah. So that was it. And um, <clears throat> I had, I loved the movie Full Metal Jacket. And I thought it was just cool. I, I love the Marine Corps colors. I love their dress blues. Who doesn't? And um, I went to join the Marine Corps. I was like, fuck it. I, I, I've been shooting for a while. I want to be a sniper. I read Carlos Hathcock's book. And um, I went down to, to join. Right then, I want to leave. The quickest way out of Butte, Montana is to join. And yeah. I mean, literally exciting because like I can get on a bus and a plane. So I went to join and the Marine wasn't in the office, but the Navy guy was. Did, and you, did you know that, about that was the it. I was, No, uh, I didn't. But I knew because I had two buddies, Ben and Jim, who were my sister's age, my older sister's age, <clears throat> growing up, always wanted to be Marines, like always, like always had high heights when they got to like 15, when you can drive Marine Corps stickers all over the trucks. They, but they came back and told me, um, it's a joke most people know, they said the Marine Corps is actually part of the Department of the Navy. It's just a men's department. Except there's and chick I, Marines. Well, Everybody yeah, always says that. It's a fucking men's, men's department. It's like, well, I don't know any I female know, I know. SEALs. I know a fuck ton of chick no, Marines. That's, no, that's very true. 
Um, but soon, you know, yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, well. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so the, their desks, are, their offices are right near each other. And at, because of that joke, I walked into the Navy guy and he's, he's got his khakis on. He's a Navy chief. And um, uh, he asked me why I was there. And I said, well, Department of the Navy, when's a Marine get back, you'll know. And he said, why do you want that? And I said, I want to be a sniper. And he said, well, we have snipers here. You need to become a Navy SEAL, which is exciting. And then we'll send you to sniper school. Yeah. And he kind of brushed over that. And <laughs> I signed. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. <laughs> Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void we're prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details i'm nick the host of the ufo chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering ufos cryptids conspiracies and the paranormal real people real encounters so come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. God damn. And I, I, I hadn't been doing a lot of swimming my whole life. We don't yeah. swim much in Montana. Yeah. But so the, I signed up and it was, that's where I learned, you know, the mindset thing. Like, you're going to learn the hard way. Yeah. Did, how soon did you leave after you signed up? Was it immediate? Uh, about five months. So oh, sure. I still had my, I still had my student. I, yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I went in there, I'm going to leave now, but then they sort of explained some shit. I'm it's like, okay, that let me get some shit in order. Cause I got to figure out how many pull-ups I could do, which is none. Yeah. I found out. <laughs> um, no, I, I went down to the park Clark's park in Butte, Montana. I'm like, I'll, I'll just not, cause you're supposed to do, I think it was six or eight for the tests. I, I could maybe get up one. I'm like, Jesus. So I, I built a, a, I had my stepdad build a, a pull-up bar in the house. And then I still had my student ID for Montana tech. So I could get in there and get in the pool. And even with the pool, like, I, I mean, I could keep myself alive, but I didn't know how to swim. Yeah. And um, I'm standing there like an idiot. So I just figured out I couldn't do pull-ups. I'm looking down 25 yards, 25 yards back. I'll swim a thousand and, you know, gauge it from there. And I, you know, everything was going fine with my plan until I got into the water. <laughs> and then, you know, I get down there, I'm at the deep end trying to get back. I'm like, I am exhausted yeah. because there's no, te- you know, swimming is technique. We know now. Yeah. And again, being lucky, my, my wife calls me the, the luckiest unlucky man in the world. Like I could step into a pile of shit, but I'll find a diamond. So as <laughs> luck would find it, um, a guy named Mike Driscoll from, from Butte, Montana was there. And he, he actually went on to swim at Notre Dame. And I, I went to high school with him and he said, Rob, don't take this the wrong way. It's great to see you, but I've never seen you in the pool before. What gives? And I, I'm getting out of the pool, I'm getting ready to shower. And I said, oh, I just joined the Navy. I'm going to be a SEAL. And he goes, not like that. You're not getting the fuck back in. <laughs> and then he showed me, like, he's the first one to ever show me the side stroke. Because he asked me, like, what do you want to learn freestyle? I'm like, no, I, I need to know the side stroke or the breaststroke. He said, well, I'll show you both right now. And then um, he showed me that for a couple hours. And then I would just go up there every day. And I remember, I still have my 
my little navy packet with that little warning order yeah, bullshit. With my the, like 20, mint yeah, green my cover. 2500, yeah, 2500 um, signing bonus. And uh, I, I would keep my my 500 yard swims in pen. I still have my times; they're horrible. Yeah. But I, I got down to I got down to where I could pass that um, that uh, the is it a, not a PRT but the screening ball. test. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean I I would do it there on the pool side, and that gave me some confidence. And I you know I thought I was good. Then you get to buds where you got collegiate fucking water polo players yeah. and shit. But you know it's amazing here hearing you talk about that and just thinking back to you know I was in in a similar boat in terms of not really knowing other than than the few things that were out you know uh, publicly about it which wasn't a lot the difference in information that kids have now signing up versus oh, yeah. back when we did is is not comparable you know and, and it's like now kids get the cheat codes almost it's like you need to be able to do this and you got to be able to do that and you know and it's like there, there is yeah. an element i think to going in there a little bit fucking blind that way in terms of the the experience that 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 gives you that helps you in, in training and in the SEAL teams and, and what have you. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think it's something about showing up scared shitless. Yeah. And just saying, you like, know what, I'll figure I, it out. You, yeah. <laughs> and, and cause I was there and I thought the guys in third phase, I remember was, as I'm walking, I got my shitty ass dress whites on and there's a dude that just, he was yelling at his buddy, you know, from 618 or 602 when it was still there um, about how, yeah, we just finished the swim. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're talking about the 5.5 not up a mile swim. These guys are in third phase. They're gods. Yeah. And uh, just, and you can get in the mindset where like the, like the, the loud mouse. Yeah. I didn't know they were going to quit first. Yeah. Um, um, <clears throat> the only loud mouth that made it, uh, he actually picked a fight with me, Sean Brennan. I love him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he picked a fight good. with me like my first day there. Cause it turns out he's just a, no, I, I fucking love Sean Brennan yeah. with all my heart. I'm great. Guy. I actually did a platoon with him. Um, but yeah, getting in there and, and, like the loudest mouths, as soon as you get to something scary, they're like, I'm seriously scared. It's like, well, if you're scared, yeah. and that's where the sympathetic, like you'll see guys quit and then other guys follow them because they think, well, if he can't make it, why can I make it? That's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, Don't for, make any friends till like Thursday of Hell Week. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, my closest friend in first phase quit, you know, a, a day and not even a day into Hell Week. But, uh, if, you know, for me, it, it actually did the opposite because, I, you know, when, yeah. I, when I joined, I was, you know, I was the same height I am now. I was 5'11, I was 140 fucking. 145 pounds. And uh, I remember seeing these guys like, dude, this dude's jacked. He played fucking college football. Yep. This guy's a fucking yep. you know, water pole, whatever. And then I'd see them quit and I'm like, well, fuck, I'm still here. Like, well, fuck that's that guy exactly then. Right. Like, you know, like it just. See, that, yeah, that's that's the uh, the realization that we're all cut from the same cloth. I mean, yeah. you do have your guys out there just destroying it. But the rest of us, I tell people not like the, the famous line, well, you don't look like the Navy SEAL. It's like, yeah. all right. But most Navy SEALs look like this. We just get it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. it. Well, even one of my best stories. Um, I was with the. Um, so this is class two zero eight. Uh, Dave Rutherford was in that class, yeah. and he was like the. He was. He's like he is now. Yeah. You know, just super motivated. And he was down there, and I'm. I'm the dude behind medical, smoking a cigarette with the Singaporeans, right? So <laughs> I'm blazing. We got a four mile time run. It's a Friday, and then that's it. And I'm, I literally, I'm ripping a heater. Throw it down. I walk out there right next to, and we need to take our shirts off. And I'm the, you know, obviously the the great white man, just white as shit. <laughs> I tell people like I could I could be on the cover of Decent Shape magazine. There's no way I have all that shit. And I look at Rutherford and I said, I'm gonna fucking win this. I'm yeah. I'm winning this race right now. And uh, Rutherford said, O'Neill, if you win this race, drinks are on me all weekend. I'm like, fuck it. We're out there lined up. And, you know, and the buds thinks you know how that you run down and there's a truck two miles away to circle. Yeah. I'm like, fuck it. They, they hit the horn and I, I'm just sprinting. I, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm running this, but we had some good hard packs and I'm hauling ass. 
And uh, we turn around, and I'm fuck, I'm 500 yards in front of everyone because my dumb ass is just sprinting. I don't know any better. And that's kind of, you know, the big Montana lungs. And I run it back, and I can just hear uh, – Rutherford yelled, yeah, <laughs> and we run past him. And uh, I had some fast, fast news behind me. Mark Miner, God rest his soul, fast yeah. as fuck. But we did, uh, I got a chance to, I won that thing. No oh, shit. And, and that's that's when it sort of sinks in. It's like, fuck this. I mean, yeah. mindset, a little bit of mindset. You can, you, can, you can make your body do a lot of shit through your mind. If I've never heard anyone say, well, I was going to quit, but my body pulled me through it. Bullshit. My yeah. mind said, fuck this, I'm going. And, and, and something with the Bud's mindset, it is mental, but... It's can you talk yourself through the broken toe, through the shin splints, through the yeah. fucking knees, the broken back, the, the shit. And that's the mindset. But like we said, the kids are getting ready for it more now, but that system still works, I yeah. think. No, I, yeah, um, I agree. I, I, I mean, even like, you know, I went through the tandem bundle course um, in, in um, where we're at, near Marana, where we have professional skydivers actually teaching us how the canopy works, you know, jump in tandem and shit. Um, you know, they're teaching you how to skydive, how, how to use a canopy, as opposed to when SEALs were teaching it, and yeah. you just auger in, like, ah, they run out of the classroom yeah. with a Jack Daniels handle. Fuck you, you <laughs> idiot. Like, well, you should teach you people suck. some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you suck. That's you suck, it. Jack. Like, How's this team, guys? A piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I mean, I think the, the preparedness thing is a double-edged sword, like we talked about, but I, I think the one of the really cool and unique things about BUDS, I think, is that, you know, from a preparation standpoint, is that you know, the, the way that the training to your point that it still works is designed is that no matter how good of shape or how prepared you come, it's not going to be enough. Right. No. So, so you can't be in good enough shape. The The catch is, is that the better shape you're in, the less you're going to have to rely on your mind to, to help talk you through yeah. it and, and pull it through. It's just going to be harder and, and suck worse. But so, you know, ultimately like the preparation is better, but if you look at the stats, like there, there aren't any more guys getting through training now than there were then. And, no. and they're and they've tried a thousand times more prepared, you know, but they, they are more, they are. And the, yeah. the system, and, but again, you could be over-prepared. Sure. Some yeah. of the advice I give to younger guys is whatever you're doing right now, do not run in boots. Yeah. You'll, you just, you'll just get used to it when you get there, yeah. run in shoes, be smart about being stupid. You run yeah. in boots, you're going to crush your knees already. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, and do and get, get better at pull-ups. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's like, and I'll run into some, I'll run into some studs like uh, college kids or maybe like seniors in high school. Well, I can, I can, I, how many can you do in a row? I can do 30. It's like, why can't you do 50 then? I've never heard anyone do too many pull-ups. Yeah, no and a lot of the job is up and down. So get, get that shit yeah. going, man. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, all right. So you graduate buds. Did you graduate 208? Yep, I did uh, two zero eight. And then uh, uh, what team? Nineteen ninety six. And what team did you go to first? I went SEAL team two because I got good advice. Um, don't put down your teams in order. Put down your coasts in order. Yeah. So if you want to go to the East Coast, you put <clears throat> two eight and four. Yeah. You want to come out here? Put back in the day it was you know um, three five one three and five. Yeah. And no matter what, unless you hate yourself, do not put SDV anywhere near that piece yeah, of paper. No shit. What? So what made you no. pick the East Coast? Uh, they were working SEAL Team Two was working in Bosnia, and I thought, as a uh, you know, at the young age of let's get to war because I uh, blah 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 before I knew what war was, and that was the closest really anyone was to combat. So I'm like, well, SEAL Team Two is kind of where it's at. Plus, winter warfare, really dig that shit. I love the ski. They go to Norway. They go to Europe. Okay, yeah. So naturally, the first deployment I got a two was on a Marg in the Mediterranean. Yeah, fucking amphibious readiness group sitting on a boat the whole fucking time, huh? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. What? So how many? Uh, how many years were you at SEAL Team Two for? Um, I was at two for six years, and then 
they switched. I forget what they called the switch, but they switched the teams around. Yeah, the Force, so uh, force 21. Yeah, Force yeah. 21. So I went to Team 4, which means all we did was go to a shittier building. Yeah. Same group of guys, same deployment. So I, 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 you know, I got the Team 4 shit behind me. I love Team 4. I love every team. Yeah. Um, obviously, SEAL Team 2 is the hardest one. We all yeah. know that. Yeah. But, um, but I went to four, so I did. I did a. a, a I did a Marg uh, amphib at, at two. I did a strike, um, uh, which is a carrier at two. I did a UCOM at two, and then I did a UCOM at four, and then that was post nine eleven. So I went to um, screen for SEAL Team Six in, in two thousand four. Yeah. Okay. So in, in terms of that that switch over, I mean, it's it's kind of understood. I would say in, in the community, by and large, with with a few exceptions, is that most guys. You know, if, if they're going to stay in, that's a pretty natural progression is that most guys want to go there or, or think, you know, that that's kind of the next step. Was there any anything to it other than that for you wanting to go there? You know what? It, there was because um, I I was not I was never going to be in for a career and I was actually contemplating getting out. So I I, I, I made PR one. <laughs> Back when we used to take the Navy yeah, test, God, wow, I made that fucking yeah. thing. Yep. Um, <laughs> and and I went to some some sort of leadership course over at Damnick uh, at the training center. And now this is, I think this is post 9-11. So the, the dev group guys were now growing the beers. Um, and I was at the exchange. I just, I still to this day, I love a commissary. I love the Navy exchange. Fucking love them. Yeah. Um, I'm in there getting whatever gee dunk, which I love. Great word as a shipmate. Um, <laughs> and I'm wearing, I'm, I'm at a school so a uniform and there's this fucking dude with a beard, like, typical Tevas and flip-flops and he's mean mugging the fuck out of me because he can see my trident. And I'm like, that motherfucker's over at SEAL Team 6. And, and I literally thought, fuck him. I'm going to find out what that place is all about. So yeah. I re-enlisted and went there. So you, you joined the Navy because a chick broke up with you. And you went yep, to SEAL Team I, I 6 because a dude with I, a beard ass-ized you. I stayed. <laughs> I stayed. Yeah. I stayed at SEAL Team 2 because um, life's fast. And so you know, I, I'm going to I'm gonna join the Navy, not make it, Go to sea, have some sea stories. Go back to Maloney's in Butte, Montana, drink all day and tell stories. But I made it through SEAL training. Now I'm in SEAL Team Two, and that shit just flies by. Yeah. So now it's time to get out. But I'm like, these are the best guys I've ever met. I, I am not leaving. I'm young still. I'm re-enlisting because we're having. I mean, we're having a blast in Virginia Beach. I love training everywhere. I get to shoot machine guns. We deploy to fucking Europe. I go to Lithuania. This is awesome. So I re-enlist, and then it's um. Some asked, give me the ass size. And it's like, fuck this. I'm going to see what <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's how it went down. That's, that's it. A trip. That's a fucking but trip. That's, 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 how, that's how life works. It's, so, it was never a, so you're not an impulsive guy then. Have you, uh, all the time at SEAL Team 2, did you ever go to Ukraine while you were there? Have you been there before? Yeah. No yeah, sure. I was in Odessa. I was actually just looking through my <laughs> pictures because they just recently did an amphibious landing where we were training. I'm talking they the Russians. Yeah. And uh, I trained with, um, I trained with, we were training with their special forces. So they were Spetsnaz in the Russian army. And we trained with them as their Ukrainians. And boy, they fucking hated the Russians. Oh, shit. Um, How, we had a guy learn, we had a guy learning Russian as we're over there. And he's trying to speak to him. And they would speak to him. And they said, as long as you don't call this bullshit Russian, we're speaking Ukrainian, which yeah. is like a, they're all like, uh, some of them, I don't speak them, but like Russian, Ukrainian, a lot of the, some of the romance languages are similar, I guess. Yeah. Um, what, what was your impression of their capabilities when you trained with them? Um, there's some bad motherfuckers. Yeah. They are like, they are hard as woodpecker lips. They're, these dudes are going to, they, you know, like, like right now, today I'm outside, I'm uh, scraping ice off the fucking windshield. I'm like, God, this sucks. I'm like, 
well, at least, you know, I'm not fighting the fucking Russians like they are right now. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they, like they're, they're handing out guns right now. And I, I was, cause some of those dudes I was working with were probably older than me. So they're pushing 50, 60 right now. I guarantee those hard motherfuckers are fighting and yeah. I wouldn't want to fight these dudes. Like they had just gotten basically done six years prior fighting in Afghanistan. And to me, that's like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, and like, like we was like exchange knives and they would do shit like, yeah, this many, many throats. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I pull out like a, a pouch. This one's been to yeah. AP Hill. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is from the commissary. Check this out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, ah. We call this an MRE. This is yeah. beef stew. Hang on to the, 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 the jalapeno cheese, motherfucker. Dude, but they were cool. hardcore. Yeah. Um, and it was like, um, you know, it was Spartan living, and, but we're training. Yeah. And it was, um, you know, you're cooking outside and hanging out and uh, they let you drive their tanks. They let you drink vodka and drive their tanks, which is yeah. fucking, <laughs> I don't want to get all military, but that's fucking dope. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean, it's, uh, you know, times have changed so much in the American military. It, it's hard to even wrap your mind around some of the shit that I know, you know, that, that I did, you know, earlier on or, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, some of the, th the things we did and the trips we went on and people we trained with compared to now, it, it's just not even the same, uh, no. same gig. But uh, we'll, we'll definitely get back into Ukraine. But um, <clears throat> just kind of moving down the, the chronological timeline. So you go screen at, at uh, Team 6. Does the screening process surprise you in any way did you make it through the first pass was there you know any big hiccups or hurdles that uh, were unforeseen no you know what surprised me was that's kind of the first time you get a deal with the the cadre from seal team six and um they're they really take pride in what they do and they're not going to tolerate a bunch of bullshit it's <clears> like they're famous for cqb the close quarters battle where you if you ever have a negligent discharge you're fucking gone never yeah. coming back uh, and how it was just a no bullshit. Um, like you, you have to, the piece so the PRT is like a, I forget it. It's like, Oh shit. How long is it? 800, 800 yards swim. No, that's just, that's a fucking long swim. It's a bench <laughs> pressure weight, uh, 10 times. And then it's, it's a run, like a five mile run. And it's, and it's like three, three evolutions, but, uh, Hey, if you <clears> fuck <throat> up, you're out. And I don't care. I don't care if I know you from CP shuckers and then, kind of get to meet the senior enlisted like during like the oral boards and so a lot of the junior cadre were guys that had been there maybe three years at seal team six so i kind of knew them from training before they went but like the master chiefs that had been like the gold team master chief the red team master chief had been in afghanistan and again i hadn't seen much any combat i'd never killed anyone but to see them you could almost see it and, and some of it can be a game some of it's not and just to get the interview and just the um we're not fucking around here. Yeah. This is not a. Uh, we're not making movies about this. This ain't. Uh, this ain't a good time carrying boats and we all sing songs in the fucking water. This is professional. And by the way, when if you if you make it through, which half the guys don't, um, we're probably sending you to war the next day. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm talking like uh, you're gonna need to come up with new shit because we're fighting people we've never thought of. Like one of those scariest fights I was ever in. I fought a redheaded Chechen on a mountain near Pakistan. What the fuck is this? Like we that was around the time like um, we're start, we're losing guys now and they're fighting the fucking Mujahideen. That they're fighting Al Qaeda, and if you know, save one for yourself, because you do not want to get captured. You know, that's the that's kind of what I went through, and it was it was new. It was new to all of us, as you know. Yeah. But um, but like, there's no doubt. Like, because even then, it's sort of like, okay, one platoon's gonna go. Maybe we just started Iraq. The West Coast guys probably got that, but this one is you're fucking going, man. Yeah. You're going to war, no shit. And again, it's the excitement of war, but it's the realization like these dudes will fucking cut your nuts off and shove them in your mouth. Yeah. What um so from from that kind of mentality going through, uh, green team, I, I am curious. You know, there were a number of guys that I knew that that went on uh, 
you know, to team six. And I, I always kind of marvel at two things. One is that some guys that I, I didn't maybe have the highest opinion of in working with them at, at team three made it. And other guys where I'm like, dude, that guy's a consummate fucking team guy. Didn't make it. Yeah, that's, the, that's the first um, thing. And then, and then the, well, I'll let you address that first. I mean, is that, is that, you know, luck? Is it politics? Is it fucking favoritism? Good old boy. It's, I mean, what? It's, 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 some of it's good old boy, but some of it is um, just being able to be the gray man, which is hard to do because the instructors are like, there's 20 dudes in the rafters when you're starting CQB and they're looking for the gray man. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of the old adage where it's like slow is smooth, smooth as fast as no bullshit. You, cause you get amped because you've, it's not just being like, cause as you know, green team is famous for CQB. That's where we fucking lose everybody. So you, if you kind of amp yourself up and they want to, they want to see if you could fuck up and forget about it. That's important in life. Like I've had days on a, like a, like I've seen dudes fuck up and I never, I've seen them since until you know, like now, like they're just gone on a plane. I've had runs before where the first run of the day, crushing it, fuck up. By the third run of the day, they have me carrying a fucking broom, convincing <laughs> me I'm not safe enough yeah. to carry a gun. The hedge, I, it's it, it's another one of those. Um, I'm not sure what the fucking formula is here. Yeah, it just keeps but, you guessing uh, all the time. I mean, if you're a good, if you're a solid fucking dude, you fuck up. Anything other than shooting the wrong target or just blasting one off. Yeah, they're gonna probably try to keep you around. They're gonna play the game. They, you know, I know dudes that were solid as shit. Got like, they're signing stupid uh, LSA lack of situational chits every night. And it's just a more feed their head. Like this, this guy's gonna make it. If he doesn't kill one of you, he's gonna make it. Yeah. Um, good old boy, I wouldn't say, but more of um, I want to, I want to keep this place really, really good. And like I know this guy, he slightly fucked up for keeping him around them. Yeah. I but you. I know guys that were excellent. They hated, and then one fuck up, but they're gone. Yeah. I've seen that shit too. It blew my mind. So yeah. I don't know. There's no form. There's no form. I don't think it's as structured as buds. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I always, like I said, I always marveled at that. The other thing that I noticed is that there, there were a number of guys, I would say most, that if, if I knew them fairly well before and they went there, the, the way that they carried themselves, interacted and acted towards a vanilla non-tier one guy changed dramatically. And I, and I always just wondered. Yeah, like, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, a number of fucking I have guys. Never, I, have, I have never once in my life referred to a Navy SEAL as vanilla. Dude, that I makes mean, me want to fucking yeah. throat punch someone. That's one of the biggest fucking insults that you can say. What, what the fuck is that shit? That's, yeah. that's a degrading, and that's that's like little dick thing. Like, yeah. oh, look at me. I'm a SEAL Team 6, and you're not. Fuck that. Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, like, it, uh, even, I mean, I'm talking SEAL Team 6 being on a ship, and I would say you better respect the fucking guy doing scullery duty. And yeah. You know how hard he's working for his country? A hell of a lot harder than you are. Yeah. Knock it off, you yeah. fuck. Oh, that pisses me off. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we ran That's as mad as I've ever gotten about that. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's good to hear, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we ran into that shit all the time. But uh, I, I just well, always wondered. Well, it's like, well, we, I mean, we talked about what makes guys want to do that. You think it would be a natural thing. I'll, I know guys that just, as simple as, you know what, dude? I want to live in San Diego. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I know guys that, I, well, you can't say I know he would have made it, but you would have fucking made it. I know you would have. Yeah. Uh, not saying you, but I'm saying I know guys that that and. It's simple life decision. Like, you know what? I'm going to go to Florida and be an instructor and I want to be with my family. I'm not yeah. going to the SEAL Team 6. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, that, that bullshit about the vanilla teams and like, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, we, uh, not, not just me. I mean, guys from, uh, from Arpel Tim, it was like we would have discussions about it. Just like the fuck's wrong with those guys. Like we'd work with them somewhere or whatever. And they were just total arrogant pricks. But whatever. I mean. That sucks. Yeah. No, I, I, liked, I used to like to go back um, to Team 4 and, um, and even talk to the guys right out of Bud's because 
it had just changed to where they have their trident now they're you know that's got to be well at first had to be weird checking in with the trident on yeah but um i would like to go over there just uh like not you know obviously if some of my buddies are there i want to shoot the shit and we're gonna go grab some beers but uh just kind of you know like i said positive positive reinforcement look we've been through hell week we finished bull comp you know if stop stressing out get through cqb if you want to come over come over if not you're gonna fight too, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah that's, the last that's twenty years for sure. Um, all right. So once you make it through green team and and you're going into one of the squadrons, what was the biggest shift or biggest difference between being at team two slash four and now being at team six that was just glaringly obvious right away? Uh, right away was the size, because the team room itself was one huge room with different stations, and when I first walked in to red team um there was 60 guys in there all with beards i i just started going because i just finished green team all with beards um my um my troop chief came up to me al and uh it's no lot you know it's not like uh hey senior chief I, I am al i'm your troop chief this is mike he's the other troop chief that's uh scott the um mass chief and then it's kind of like a fly on the wall like i'm not gonna whatever Honest to God, what impressed me the most was the fucking sense of humor in that room. Because <laughs> you have that many team guys, and they're almost trying to show off for the new guys. Yeah. Uh, just awesome. And then uh, naturally, we're going to go do uh, house runs. Um, and I, you know, we did green team, and I, was, I thought I was good. We got into the uh, – they're showing off. We, I got in there with red team, like one of the troops. And so we got a four- or five-story kill house. And they go in, and this is this is before um, combat clearance, mm-hmm. and they're fucking gone. Yeah, Guys. like they're gone. Like I, you, you can't. No, I mean they're just clearing, yeah. and you can't even be one of those uh, train hogs that, like, you got to catch up because they're just clearing the shit. And, was, and just the um, the shots that were taken, the the ability to like move without being told to move, the realization that. Um, I'm not going to shoot you. Just don't be an idiot. Just how fast they were. And then they're actually developing <clears throat> concepts as we go. Like, how about this? What if we do that? Like I was there when they are coming up with combat clearance. Like, well, we have, why are we running so fast? Fuck trying to beat them with speed. Put your nose down slow. We have night vision and lasers. Let's do that. I remember I came up with a tactic. Not me. I mean, I came up with, with a group of guys. We were trying to do the deconfliction coming back on each other because, you know, parallel trains are dangerous. It's going to happen. And we're trying to figure out, okay, do you knock on a door? That's stupid because, it, you know, do you put a chem light under the door and what color? And you're not supposed to sweep your buddy all that. Bull- like you see, I get yelled at on Instagram all the time. Trigger discipline. Don't sweep your buddy. <laughs> the rule, I'm a believer. In, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know everyone was a war hero until I got on Instagram. Yeah. But the rule I came up with, uh, maybe, I, maybe I didn't, but we came up with right then was, how about this? Let's try this. Don't shoot someone who looks like you. Yeah, that's it. Okay. okay. Oh, I pointed a little gun. Yeah, I didn't pull the fucking trigger. You'll be fine. Like the whole thing from that's my safety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shit. The uh... not quite that reckless. But just keep it simple. Though, and yeah. stop yelling. Yeah. Stop yelling. If if you go around a corner and point up, stop yelling stairwell at me. I'll assume it's a stairwell. You're pointing up. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. So uh, so stealth was a bigger uh, a bigger priority. Or going from yeah, super stealth. stealth. Just quiet. Even when you're done, even when you're done shooting. Yeah. Shut what, up. Shut yeah. Up. I mean, that's good. I never understood. Uh, I never understood the huts card either because I've never come out of a room and like, now, did I just kill two guys in that room? Let me, yes, I did. I did. Yeah. I marked it. Grease pencil. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I, <laughs> can, I got two guys in there. Can you explain the huts card for those uh, that have no idea what you're talking about? The huts card is like, what is it? Hostages, unknowns, terrorists. And then uh, there's something else. 
and you're supposed to mark how many you've got. Yeah, well, I think so, the, the S is seals for friendlies, right? Oh, seals of friendlies, yeah. yeah like, right. I, I, I know if, if one of my guys got shot, I'm going to know it. Yeah. If yeah. I just killed a guy in each room, I'm going to remember that. They probably don't have shit. to write it down, yeah. No, no, you know, have a map, and if you have room for that Hutz card, yeah. carry some extra batteries or something. Yeah. So you, uh, so you, that was like 04, 05 when you uh, got yeah. into the squadron? Yeah, I got in the squadron in 04. My first deployment was right on March of 05. So okay. we went to Jalalabad, Afghanistan, which is, again, that my first, that's my first Afghan deployment. So I didn't know what to expect. And I'm one of the guys that thinks, oh, there's going to be a suicide bomber around every corner. Yeah. So let's get it. I didn't know. Still, yeah. I, you know, I've been through selection. I'd been deployed a lot before that. Didn't know, but it was the unknown. How, uh, how was that first deployment? Like, what was, what was at the end of it, kind of what your takeaway from, uh, from it was? Well, the deployment was awesome because I learned um, what Hearts and Minds actually is. And that's not tea and cookies for the terrorists. It's it's spending money in the bazaar. It's being out in town, hire because we were in a safe house. So we bought this, a safe house, turned into a safe house. But then you hire locals because some people are just more loyal to money than they are to whatever. <clears throat> hire locals, hire the plumber, um, interpreters, spend the money out in town, that kind of shit. And uh, I learned glaringly that most people in a combat zone are just trying to get on with their lives. Yeah. There's not, not, I mean, there are people, especially in Afghanistan that just because they're carrying an AK 47 doesn't mean they're a bad guy They're They just have it. And it's a different culture. And I learned about that. I learned, they, they, I learned that Afghans make the best rice in the world. Um, do not watch them make the bread, but do feet. enjoy it. Cause it's still, Oh God, don't <laughs> the foot bread and they'll, <laughs> the foot for the Harry Hobbit foot yeah. bread. And then they'll cook the lamb under the, um, like in a hole in the ground and i kind of learned that we uh, we learned some technology we we did a little work unfortunately that was also june of 2005 and i was there i saw the guys from turbine 33 right before they died yeah and so that obviously just i mean that's just fucking you know words again can't describe it yeah and then we ended up uh, on the mountain trying to <clears throat> trying to get walk to the crash site walk to um find marcus we were trying to find marcus and uh, and matt axelson that was the first time that I'd ever seen uh, one of the, you know, those cards we fill out with your picture and like your favorite color and shit. That was the first time that I saw Marcus the trail. I'm like, we fuck, he's alive. We got to get in there. And so we, they wouldn't fly us in because Hilo got shot down. I, we, we were convinced they were surface air missiles, not, not uh, RPGs. Are I you... saw the guys actually, actually, I think it was a turbine three, four. So turbine three, three got shot down. And I saw a couple guys from three, four and they were so, shaken they actually landed on the wrong part of town there was a different base they landed there and the guys ran across town and i ran into some of my buddies and um one of them said yeah it just it came out of the valley and it hooked and 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 they missed it hit them it missed us one of them missed us and they you know you shoot a missile at a fucking 47 it's curtains and so um they wouldn't they wouldn't let us fly in so we had to figure out how to get up there we commandeered some vehicles um and that was again too with the whole I'm a tier one guy, so you're not worthy type shit. We grabbed everyone we could. We're looking for rangers who all of them volunteer. Like, I need five of you guys. Fuck it. We're all coming. Just taking vehicles. Um, we're going to drive up there. We got donkeys to carry our water. And um, we just hiked up. You know, it's, it's uh, June of 2005 in Afghanistan. Hotter than shit, humid as shit. You're walking basically in the scariest environment imaginable trying to get to a site. And, you know, the, the a lot of the war stuff, they did bring a lot of people in. But we're up there for... Um, we're awake for a few days. We got up to 10,000 feet, something like that. And, and um, we even had the conversation. This is why training is so hard because if we're going to quit right now, where the fuck are we going to go? Yeah. We're just here. Yeah. Was, and even like the, like, like um, 
Did anybody call home before we hiked? I, like, we're, there's pictures on the internet. We're sticking IVs in each other, hanging them from trees because heat exhaustion, heat stroke. And I asked some guys, hey, did um, did uh, any of you call home before we left on this little jaunt? And they said, no, why? I'm like, well, great, because our wives haven't heard from us. All they know is a bunch of seals from Virginia Beach just died. Yeah. Do, do you so still? That's a little the mind fuck that went on there. Yeah, no doubt. Do, do you, are you still of the opinion that uh, it was surface to air and not RPGs for? Uh... I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were saying beforehand that there was some intel that there was surface to air missiles in the valley, yeah. the Cornwall Valley, yeah. and the Surrey. I mean, that was intel. And again, um, it's one of those things where you whisper this, whisper that. It turns into a whole new story. I mean, they got shot down. They got hit. The guys off the first bird or the second bird told me that it was an, it was an it was a missile. Yeah. Um, did you did you guys end up uh, getting to the crash site and? Uh... No, we um, we got very close, and that's when another troop from because we were at an outstation, Jalalabad. We had the guys from Asadabad with us, and we had uh, Rangers, RRD snipers, fucking amazing guys, Marines who just fucking I love Marines. That that's like you know I tried to join the Marine Corps. I was happy on this day that I wasn't because we're up to I got short sleeves like a chest harness, no body armor. Yeah. These dudes are kidding the fuck out. Nut yeah. plates, shoulder plates, side plates, they're hoping too. Yeah. Helmets, like, fuck yeah, dude, hardcore. Awesome. But um, the other troop from, they were up at Bagram at the time. They landed, they actually flew them in a day later when they cleared the airspace and then they walked down to it. So we went, you know, we're going to leave and we did see some, um, some Taliban guys. We were able to call some fire from A-10s. First time I've ever seen an A-10 in person. That's yeah. bad to the fucking ball. That's where that, I'm pretty sure a Ranger came up with a saying that uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, except an A-10. An A-10 will fucking kill you. Yeah, no, they're, they're fucking shit. badass. Yeah, badass, badass. And then we got down, we went up to Asadabad. So there's another safe house, nice one up there. And, um, you know, we're thinking about, okay, we got to get some sleep. And then, I, you know, we'll have a, some whiskey for the, and then that's when the guy came in with the note. Because the safe house was run with the CIA. And that dude brought the note in from Marcus. And there was a weird conversation about, um, well, this could be fake that like he didn't cross the T's in his name and we're like, yeah, but he got the social security number, right? So it might be him. Yeah. And there was like an argument between some of the, some, I'm not trying to badmouth anybody, but a lot of people, they get so embedded in what they're doing. They don't want to lose their sources. Yeah. And we're like, we're walking this fucker right up there. He's going to show, because we showed this dude. Now the valleys in Afghanistan like if I tell people what they're like, they don't believe me. Like you're making that up. No, they you they don't know how old they are. They don't know what time is. Yeah. They believe in dragons spitting <clears throat> um, duels into the sky to light the sun every morning. Yeah. I'm serious. So we showed this village elder that walked the thing out. Um, we showed him his village on an iPad or maybe a MacBook, whatever. And it was like we showed him the face of Allah himself. <laughs> We're like, which house is yours? Yeah. My like this guy. <laughs> He eats his pets. He's never seen a computer. <laughs> so um, so we tell them that um, we're going to walk him. You're going to walk us to it. We had an argument. They're like, well, he's our source, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, fuck your source. This is why you have a source. We're going up there. So we And here's how weird the valleys are. So I th they got shot down in the Korangal. Marcus made his way to the Shuriak, I think, which are whatever. I mean, this is <clears throat> scariest environment imaginable. And um, we went. In, here's how back ass this place is. So we have to walk again. We're riding the shitty road. We're walking again. And um, um, I oh, I saw a little girl. I'm a father, and I I opened. I gave her a plastic bottle of. It's actually kind of cold water, and she lives in a vat. Like, I don't know how they don't drink water. She opened the bottle of water and dumped it all out so she could play with the plastic. Holy shit! 
Yeah. So then we get up there and then, so I'm with some other dude. We've been awake for a couple of days at this point, exhausting, but we like, and one of my guys sat down and he, he said, man, I don't, I don't know. I got to take a break. And I was like, okay, when we get home though, you will tell Marcus's mom that we were this close, but we couldn't get him because you got tired. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you're fucking right. Right. And then, you know, we're trying to just build each other up. And he stood up and I said, do me a favor. Tell me that exact same thing in about five steps. I fucking can't go any farther. Yeah. And so we get up on top. We're about ready to go down. And then some, uh, some Rangers flew in. They did pull Marcus out. And, um, and then, then it's that thing where, okay, it's over. Now we're, well, fuck, we're in the Shuriak Valley. Goddamn, I'm tired. So yeah. then we walked out, drove down, and then that was um, that was our version of. So I, I wasn't in the house to rescue Marcus, but it was just a coalition of every everybody. And when it when push comes to shove, a lot of these people out there on our side are going to fight. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, other than the obvious horrific circumstances, it was it was great to see the coalitions come together like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of different accounts on that, and uh, yeah, the, just the entire process and series of events is uh, is pretty awe inspiring, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know we don't have a ton of time, so I want to. Uh... No, we're good. We're good. We're, we're good. We're okay. good. I'm checking my calendar. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hydrate a little. We get time. All right. Um, so, throughout your your time at Team Six, coming back from your first deployment and then going on subsequent ones, can you kind of walk us through the timeline of of your time there before the big mish? Yeah. Um, so we got back from that one, and then the I hate to use this term, but the show in town was Iraq. Mm-hmm. not Afghanistan. Cause I mean, other than the obvious, you know, we, we, there wasn't a lot going on in Afghanistan, but Iraq was, and it was all over the news, roadside bombs, people getting killed. Then um, we got, you know, um, our brothers from, uh, from Delta had hit, gotten hit a couple of times. They lost a troop to either death or injury. So they said, well, we're going to, we're going to supplement them. We're going to send a troop to Iraq. And that was us. So my second deployment was in Iraq, um, 2005, 2006, we went to Al-Assad and that was new for me too, because it's again, suicide bombs everywhere. You know, I learned, you know, there are roadside bombs. People drive here though. It's, it's, this fucking sucks. And uh, I, you know, the, again, mad respect for infantry and for guys, men and women on the road, just wondering now are we going to get hit now? Are we going to get hit now? Do we get hit now? Where we had the option of fuck that land is five clicks away. We'll walk in yeah. type shit. And that's when we really got down the, um, the combat clearance type stuff. Cause instead of white light and running, we're going to slow down. That saved our lives. Well, the first, first night I got a kill, there was four of us to include, um, uh, one, a guy from the, uh, SBS, Andy special boat service. And he was a funny dude. Cause he's, you know, he's a Brit and he had this aura, this dark cloud of death that followed him around. Like even his buddies would say, uh, yeah, if you're with Andy, you're, you're going to get in a fight. Don't even <laughs> pray for it. So, we're in this damn hallway and we had just started doing combat clearance. We're walking in the hallway and this dude pops out with an AK. He could have got all of us, but he couldn't see us. It's dark. God and he went back in the room and it's kind of a collective. Holy. Shit. So then they enter the room and one of my buddies blasts him, gets in a gunfight. And then he, it's his first kill. And he's kind of like, it's kind of like, it takes a second. And he asks, um, he goes, Andy, he's seen all kinds of death. He's been in weird gunfights. And he goes, Andy, how's that guy? And he walked over with a white light. And he goes, Oh, he's fucked, mate. Because he blocks out. <laughs> and then we went outside. A gunfight starts. Our snipers are engaging. It turned out to be we we hit a hotbed of Al Qaeda. Um, we actually did a, a cross pan. Me and another guy, um, one of the snipers from the Somali uh, pirate rescue, uh, Captain Phil's rescue, where we actually did our first cross pan. We're getting ready to wave, and two dudes popped up like pepper poppers, and we blasted <laughs> them that way. And I'm like, holy shit! I just shot that guy because I just shot that guy. And it's like, well, cool. Now we should do one of those bounding things. What the fuck? So, <laughs> 
you know, and so that, and so we did Iraq. And then once the, once the, the shooting started, the realization that, okay, our tactics work, we're better than these dudes. You start to lose the fear. And then, so we, you know, went back and then another Afghan deployment. Uh, I want to say we, I was part of a strike force that went to Bagram. There was only like 12 of us. And we would, we would go to outstations, try to find out kind of targets there, which we did. The other troop went to Iraq and then we went back to Iraq. Um, so in 2007, was we, we call it the deployment that never was because they sent a small group of us to Iraq and the rest went to Afghanistan because we had been authorized to, to fight Taliban now in Kandahar and everybody wanted to do that. So they sent, nobody wanted to work for Delta Force, but my boss wanted to. And he said, if you guys don't mind, on paper, we work for Delta, but everyone's watched Afghanistan and it's the Arab Spring, it's the awakening. And basically uh, General Stan McChrystal was sending JSOC forces on kill missions every night because he was convinced, you know, we we the awakening we get the sunnis to realize we're going to help them and when you need to hunt other sunnis that are al-qaeda have at it so we did that every night we were killing killing people every single night it was a crazy summer um you know saw a lot of shit we we went to um bakuba iraq for 30 days where we we didn't get to wash our clothes yeah. and that's hot yeah we didn't smell good but um you know it's almost one of those things where well no one's been hit so i don't want to jinx us like wear the yeah. same socks and shit yeah um was there well, I, have a, I, have a, I have a good dog story about that if you want to hear it oh fucking hey let's hear it so there was a peninsula called himbus i think and it's north of of baghdad and no one had been in there so the we invaded in 03 this is 07 no one had been in there because it's a it's a small peninsula one way in these guys are ied makers they make roadside bombs um so we can't drive in they're, they're gonna bomb us we can't fast rope in it's too small and we can't bomb the shit out of because there's so many people living around there. And like I was saying earlier, most people are just trying to get on with their lives. They're not combatants. So they're coming to us like, all right, you guys solve problems. What are you doing? Everyone's kind of, well, it's going to suck, but we can swim. <laughs> you know, again, Navy SEALs, but we can do it. It's, I mean, and it wasn't a swim so much. It was like a swim swamp. Fuck this. Wade. Going to the peninsula. Oh God. Horrifying. Yeah. You know, like going under palm groves and there's rats and shit, and the grapes, whatever. But we got in there and um, it's it's turned into a fight at first, and then it got bigger and bigger. Like we're running around, um, and we got we had two dogs with us. We had two Malinois with us, and um, we cleared ten houses and we killed all nineteen wow. of the terrorists, all of them. <laughs> Didn't hurt a single woman or child, and then we left. So we swim the fuck whatever. And uh, now we have air assets above because whoever comes to get the bodies and bury them, that's probably Al Qaeda also. So we'll get you know a new target package. So, but the locals, the next day they wake up and they're getting bullied by uh, Al Qaeda all the time too. So um, they, uh, they are noticing the bad guys are gone. So they started having a block party in this place and the air assets, it gets so big that a reporter came up uh, to see what was going on. Now we had two dogs with us and about 17 seals and they were interviewing the people in the houses that survived. And they said, who came last night? And the headline on the Baghdad newspaper said they were ninjas and they came with lions. <laughs> I thought that was uh, awesome. That's fucking great. Did the, uh, on oh, that yeah. mission, did the dogs get, uh, get used? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah they, the, the dogs got used quite a bit um, on that deployment because we were doing, like I said, we had Delta's assets. So we were doing a lot of inserts on little birds getting on rooftops and a lot of squirters. And yeah. so just, and we, I mean, we had dogs that, uh, you know, fuck that guy, but they that terrorist is one-on-one -on -one with Duco. Yeah. 
That's is, not going to go well without a hand without a handler there. Oh, I know it. Is there a uh, a single dog story or even a couple that stand out as like being the holy fuck? That's instant karma or just justice or really cool dog the, stories of, of the any best story. The best dog story I have. I can't take credit for being there, but I saw the ISR footage and it was a dog named Vader. Oh, I remember him. And yep. Uh, well, and I, it was blue. Te- just let me Blue clarify. I, I, everybody, I'm assuming most people should know that I, I was not at Dev Group, but that dog did training at a, at a location where uh, here in here in the states that I was at. But I'll I'll leave it at that. But no, no, it's all good. Whatever, that's all good. Um, I think it was Blue Team that had Vader, and people need to know that after you do a mission, there's a one pager after action report, and all we're you know it's like a picture of the building, actions on. Here's what happened. And at the end is this little block that's called uh, commander's comments. And that's where the ground force commander puts his comments in there. So uh, something like now we saw the footage and as soon as they got there, there's suicide bombers coming out. So this is like big, scary blast. And, you know, in, in, in the, the thrill, I guess, of the action, you hear explosions and, and gunfire. You can sort of tell where the gunfires come from. I don't know if someone threw a grenade or that's a suicide bomber, but apparently Vader like jumped in a ditch and pulled this dude out that they blasted. And now like, he ran and climbed a tree and yanked a dude down with some crazy shit. And <laughs> they kill him. And Vader's running. Like, he's grabbing dudes. And he ended up like in a river, yanked the dude out, and they killed him. Suicide bombers, no one was hurt. And all it said, and again, I wasn't there, so I, I hope I didn't abuse the story. But at the end, in the commander's comments, all he put was, Vader needs a cape. <laughs> that's fucking great. So that's my yeah. favorite dog story. Yeah. Um, no, we did a lot. We I trained with um, a couple of, of Jimmy's dogs, Spike and, and Toby. Um, just what would it, it's not necessarily one, like Cairo when he got shot. I was on that mission. Uh, you know, at, 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 if a Malinois gets hit with an AK 47 twice, he's going to die, but Cairo lived. But what I noticed about the dogs is, is they all had, they did all have their, their own personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, just amazing dog, smart dog, different personality. Like, like Cairo can sit with us. Uh, you know, without his gear on, he can watch a movie, you know, obviously put him down there, whatever. Cairo's cool. Toby ain't doing that shit. He'll yeah. bite you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but, um, and some of the dogs straight up that like you get a good dog, they're trying or a, a dog with mental issues. But, like we can't bring him around anybody. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's a kill dog and he's not a pet. Yeah. No, I know it. They, I mean, they're as individual as we are. The, uh, that is so fucking cool though. Yeah. A, a quick story on, on Vader is that uh, one of my best friends, Shane, uh, that, that owns uh, SH9 Edgeworks, the, the knife company, I've had him on the show. Uh, he actually did some decoy work. I, I hired him and, uh, and a couple of guys to do decoy work um, during a trip where, again, it was a stateside uh, training trip, and, and Vader uh, was one of the dogs that he caught, and, and he, he had very little experience in a bite suit. And so I lent him one of mine and gave him a, a gauntlet, a, a neoprene sleeve gauntlet. And Vader, you know, 90-pound fucking Dutch Shepherd, uh, bit all the way through uh, oh, the, the suit and the gauntlet and filleted Shane, Shane open. I, and I remember he came to me. Hey, up, really? He, yeah, he came up to me afterwards. He's like, dude, how the fuck do you do this shit, like, day in, day out? He's like, I, I, like he just fucking, you know, bit through the suit. I was like, no, he didn't. I was like, take, you know, take it off. Stop being a pussy. He pulls his his sleeve uh, off, off and yeah, it bit all the way through it and, and flayed him fucking wide open. It was horrible. But have uh, you found that the Dutch shepherds uh, have a harder bite than a Malinois? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a common question is, you know, which dogs bite the hardest, whatever. It's kind of like saying, you know, how hard does a human being punch, you know, or, or mm. you know, so, something as equally amb- ambiguous is that, 
you know, dogs, I mean, I would say by and large, or typically if they are bigger, they tend to bite harder, but not always. I mean, I've certainly yeah, okay. come the, the yeah, hardest, okay. the hardest biting dog I've ever caught who actually bit through a suit for me. And I'm still, still scarred up from it was a dog here, here in, in Collin County. It's a Collin County Sheriff's dog. He's like a 63 pound pinheaded fucking Malinois that just, you know, looked almost like a stray. And that motherfucker would 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 absolutely wreck you in a in a suit. Um, you know the live bites oh, that seriously? he. Had. Oh, I mean he just yeah. I mean he bit all the way through the the suit and flayed me wide open. And you know he had live bites where um, you know he'd bite a guy in the back of the leg and and peel every ounce of fucking meat oh. off of somebody's leg all the way down to the bone. I mean everything you know. Which I'm, yeah. I'm sure you've seen plenty I, of that too. But I've seen that. That was some. I mean in training, <laughs> the scariest shit we ever heard yelled was real bite, real bite. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I mean those dogs are legit. That, that, yeah. That's what they do, and they're they're just incredible. I, I yeah loved it. Loved all of them. The, just the, the the personalities. I loved that they were um, they love to work. Yeah, like when we when we first started jumping the dogs, and we came up, I, and they probably got better plans now. But the best way to do was put them in the kit bag, yeah. zip it up, snap that, and the, the dogs. You can hear the tail wagging in the damn thing before you <laughs> jump out of the C five. <laughs> Uh, that's fucking C17, C130, whatever we're doing. Yeah, the dog, yeah. And they had little, the little goggles. Love that. They just, yeah. they just love to work, man. Yeah. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah. Yes. And wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. <laughs> Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast. With first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained. Covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Yeah, dogs are like the most common saying that's true is we don't deserve dogs. No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we get the better end of the deal with them. No, no two ways about it. Um, that's that's fucking great. Um, all right. So you, you go back and forth between Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. Was there one deployment that stood out as being the busiest that you were on? That, yeah, that 2007 deployment with the dogs in, in Iraq was yeah. the busiest just because um, it, it was because we we had the latitude without the restrictions of r- rules of engagement. You know, as we all know, rules of engagement, if, if you want to lose a war, get lawyers and yeah. politicians involved. Yeah. But like, especially with us, if you, the more latitude the better we're going to be. We're not going to go out there and murder people, even though a lot of journalists love to try to release books about yeah. war crimes. But um, no, we're, we don't kill innocent people because I've seen it in action. We're the good guys. Just let us, give us the room. But then it got to the, you know, so the, 2007 was was one of the best summers I've ever had in my life. I mean, we're just, we're hunting people every night. We got a kick-ass weight room. We don't have any um, TVs. You know, we get, a, we get a stand around and sing to each other. Good chow. And, and um, that's it. Yeah. But then you get to the point at the, like the end of it where, you know, you're taking fire from a cave and you try to call in support and someone 500 miles away says, well, we're not saying there aren't women and children in there or there are, but we just can't prove it. Yeah. It's like, well, all right, let's fucking be feet. We proved that, you know, last August, just let's just, let's suck. 
Clips yeah. lose again. Yeah. But um, yeah, the 2007 was great. Um, and then I, I started getting to the spot where I, you know, I was making rank and became a team leader. Uh, and then um, I would, I, I, I got to run out stations, uh, uh, senior enlisted advisor for different places, kind of get more into the, um, the leadership role. And then get the 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 younger guys up there that that it was almost crazy like these young studs through green team that were I'm in charge of now and then they're asking me advice on shit it's like wow this is really cool um, a little bit of pressure we did Afghanistan a couple of times I, I ran an outstation in, in Jalalabad was my actually um, oh in between that too we did um, we rescued Captain Phillips um, 2009 which was that was something too which you know we'd been selling that we could be anywhere in the world in 24 hours since since 1980 uh, but we'd never done it seal team six had never done it and to get to get called on my birthday good friday april 10th at my daughter's preschool for her tea party and we found out richard phillips had been taken and they're calling us to get him that's like and right out of the selling, movie navy seals that's fucking sick <laughs> um we'd been we'd been selling it um we can be off the ground in a certain amount of time and um we'd done it in training uh, but we'd never done it. Like, here's the call. Now the clock is ticking. Yeah. And so everything from saying goodbye to your kid to stopping at 7-Eleven to get a log of Copenhagen's cash <laughs> to getting there. And like, and you watch uh, the whole team was involved. And I'm talking the parachute riggers already had, they already had the birds or the, the, the boats loaded with the huge cargo chutes. The, the fucking truck drivers, are putting the you know the CBs are putting the hitch on the truck. The truck drivers taking it to the thing. The aircraft's coming up. The bosses up here planning every bag. Your fucking bags better be ready because the bosses are upstairs planning now, and their shit better be in order. They better have a, 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 a everything they need in that bag because I don't have time to go ask them. That's going on the truck. They come down. You know we get to the uh, thing. We're loading the planes. Um, we, the 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 riggers are there now with our parachutes and extra shit in case we decide we have to jump a tandem. Got to make sure there's tandem masters on the right plane. Who, if, when, whatever. Now we're on there. We're taxiing out of Oceana. And and it's like, um, we have, a, I don't want to say the amount of time to take off, but we're at plus 59 minutes. And the commanding officer is on there with SEAL Team 6. And he's just thinking, oh, God, wheels up, please. Wheels up. And it's like 58, 59 wheels up. And we just hit it. Wow. So then we're then we're flying over. And it's, and it's, but see, we never thought of this. Because with a Phillips rescue... Since 1980, SEAL Team 6 had been planning everything from cruise ships, yachts, nukes, whatever. No one ever thought uh, uh, an orange lifeboat being towed by a destroyer. <laughs> yeah, no shit. And so we yeah. don't know what the fuck we're going to do. And we're not going there to necessarily kill them. We're going to try to rescue them, whatever means necessary. We, so we're asking everybody, come up with a plan, come up with a plan, come up with a plan. We'll just, we'll talk about it. We'll write it down. Best, whatever. And, um, you know, we decided we're going to put snipers down just to watch them. That's, it was never a three, two, one execute. It's just, you watch them. But as we're flying over, um, we learned about training scars, little shit. Like I was the lead jumper for that one. And I learned that all the training jumps I'd done, there were safety boats spinning in the ocean below me. I could see them this time. There was nothing wow. And I thought I lost every, I thought we lost. Yeah. But before that, <laughs> One of the training stars is a C-17 has one shitter. Now, there's about 50 guys in each bird, one shitter each plane. And we're, you know, we're eating whatever. That thing, that thing fills up quick. Yeah. And then it's like, now what? So, you know, we get good, you know, team guys with Copenhagen, you got to shit. So guys are like shitting in MRE bags and <laughs> taping it up. And then they're throwing that in a bigger bag. 
And then it's like, so we're kind of learning, okay, next engineers, we need more shitters on a, on a bird for a 16 hour flight. Um, but then we got this fucking, um, these, this bag full of human shit and we're going to launch the, we're getting ready to jump. We're going to launch the, uh, the boats and we're going to do a racetrack. And then my job is to, um, I'm going to jump out and find them hopefully. And so they launched the boats and I'm looking at the air crew and I said, uh, Hey, um, are you, you going back to like DJ or Djibouti or what, what, are you going back to the States? They go, yeah, we'll probably land in Africa. I'm like, are you flying that big bag of human waste with you? The air crew chief's like, yeah, we'll just take it back. And I go, well, why don't you just throw it into the Indian Ocean? And he goes, he literally goes, I don't want to hit one of your boats. And I said, I'll give you $10,000 if you can. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Did he try? Yeah, yeah. But I, no, he didn't no, even do it. Try. So then we get out there. And then I, you know, I jumped out and this is a, you know, like, fuck Hollywood. It wasn't a night jump. We jump in the daytime. Don't do it. You don't need to do a night jump into the ocean. Cause if yeah. you lose a guy at night, he's gone. Yeah. So we jump out and I, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't I, like, cause I'm in this bird. I got to pick up these jumpers. We had about a hundred canopies and I couldn't see the boats. And I'm like, I got to pretend like telling them I can't see. It's not going to do shit. I got to find them. I got to make them think I can see it. So like I'm doing little turns and clicking my feet or whatever and, Turned back and turned out there was just a glare from the sun. And I did see the the flat top, the USS Boxer. And we landed there. And then it was a, you know, we learned again too. You have, you have to, too many guys wanted to get on that jump. So these boats were full. I'm talking straight Haitian vacation, the people <laughs> hanging off the side. And we pull up. And then now we're on the Boxer and they put the snipers out. And um, that was like the end of my, my trip because I thought the plan I came, well, not me, but my team came up with was these guys are not terrorists. They, um, they're criminals and they want to, um, they're out of cot, the drug they take, and they're seasick. And they realize they fucked up. They want to go home. So give them a radio. We'll give the village elder a radio. Let them communicate. Turn them around. Let the sun go down. Jam it. Go up here. Let them out. My team will be on the beach. And we'll just we'll negotiate or whatever happens, happens. But we're on land. So I was getting coffee in the chief's mess, right? And uh, I got a text or something that said, we got them. And I was like, got who? <laughs> Fucking crazy. And they're like, they're like, we got them. And I'm, I'm like, well, I hope I can burn my lips and maybe get a purple heart for this one. <laughs> Dude, that's but it was that simple. Trip, and, and but what's cool about that, though, we talk about preparation. Um, those snipers were in their own beds in Virginia Beach four days before that. Yeah. And it was a long weekend. It was a long weekend, Easter weekend. We'd yeah. never done it. Yeah, that's that's an and amazing. And their guns that their guns did not need to be sighted in for the most difficult shots of life, but their guns yeah. were sighted in. Yeah. That's a pre preparation. So that yeah. was that was in between that. Um. Yeah. And then we did, um, you know, a lot of training trips coming up with uh, different tactics and shit. And then uh, I went over my final deployment was to um, to Afghanistan running Jalalabad. And that's what I got to work with. the. Uh, I see what the, the CIA does with their money. They've got a good budget. Yeah. But they're really <clears throat> smart about taking care of themselves. Like they, yeah. they're going to make it comfortable because they do it. They have a really hard job and they work very hard. They really do. Um, my only complaint is they do watch way too many movies about the CIA. Yeah. But. Like they, I, I was at this, they had a, I got, I, I would love to see what the Taliban is doing to it right now, but they had like, it was like a European resort on the airfield, like it's a private place. And I'm talking like a outdoor gyms, indoor gyms, a bar, like a stock bar, <clears throat> private rooms, um, excellent food every single day. Um, just a very, very, very cool place. Like I was actually there, um, again, talking back to Afghanistan, I was trying to run Intel in and out or whatever, trying to do shit we do, but they had closed down bases from the Pesh River Valley all around back to Asadabad was closed and we're slowly withdrawing, which we're going to have to do anyway. <clears throat> but they sent us a picture 
Uh, and that's not as bad as it is now with dudes straight up rolling in our body armor. But there was a, a Taliban dude on a treadmill from Camp Blessing, which is deep in the Peshawar Valley. And they sent, they gave it to me because I had experience in Afghanistan. I'm like, what do you think of this? You got guy, a Taliban on a treadmill. I said, well, based on my experience, this guy is trying to figure out either how to eat it or fuck it. <laughs> no shit. Like, what's he going to do with a fucking no, treadmill? Yeah, I, he's, he doesn't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we finished that. And at this point, Bin Laden's a ghost. We're not going to find it. The best we can do, like, we did roll up a goo by the name of Abu Iqlis al-Mazri. My small team did there. Um, and that, I mean, no one's heard of that motherfucker. And that's the biggest name Al-Qaeda had in Afghanistan. And, and we had no idea. And finished that deployment. It was fun. I played a lot of Halo, got really good at that shit. I still, I'm not good enough at Xbox to beat Rangers. They are the, the they're tier one at yeah. Xbox. Best of best. Um, <laughs> but then we got back and then we're just running more trips. And my trip, because we were big believers. I was a big believer in um, uh, morale. Like we just got done with the deployment, combat, we're back. See your kids and <laughs> your wife and kids for two weeks. Then we're going to start the training. But the first training trip should be a good deal trip. Um, you know, we're going to work, but I want you to have fun. So like some guys went to um, Las Vegas, but they went rock climbing. Fair enough. They're climbing all day. They're in Vegas. We went to Miami so we can, we can do open water dives on currents because like the, what we were considering was like the mothership for the Somalis. Um, you know, the people grabbing, doing shit. How do we open water dive to one of those without an SUV? And we're in South beach, um, happy hour morale, keep the team happy. And we're down there um, at the, courtyard uh, in on the beach and we're having cocktails without and it's a great time to be around you know beautiful weather <clears throat> we got a call that you know you and a couple of the guys one of the team leader troop commander get go back to to um back to virginia beach and see we were already excited because the commanding officer was going to come on the trip but for some reason that we didn't know he was called the dc mm. so we went back up to virginia beach and like some of the guys from Marana and some of the guys from uh, from uh, Vegas have been recalled. We're kind of looking at each other. And they there's other guys there that were just there. And then they pulled us to a side room and they wouldn't let everyone in, which was weird. And we had like 28 dudes and they said, um, they sat us down and they said, all right, the reason you guys are here, because um, this is real and it's this is not a drill. We found a thing and this thing is in a house and this house is in a bowl and this bowl is in a country and you guys are going to go get this thing you're going to bring it out and you're going to show it to us. And that's how it started. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, Sounds like some shit, yeah. like how it would be described to a fucking kindergarten class. Seriously. And we're really like, we're like, well, okay, well, what's the thing? We can't tell you. Okay. Did you guys well, know? I mean, country... I mean, we're, we're... not at first. Yeah, no, so, no. so at first you had no we fucking assumed, idea. We, well, they didn't tell us how we're going to get there, where it was. And we assumed because the Arab spring had just started. So this is late March, early April, 2011. So the Arab Spring, it just started up Tunisia, Egypt, now it's spilling over. We assume they found Gaddafi. And they want us to get him, not even go kill him, but get him. And maybe bring him back and he can fill us in all kinds of secrets. And they don't want to tell us how we're getting there because it's ospreys off a flat top. And <clears throat> those had, they didn't have the best history at the time. That's that's that. <laughs> and um, so, and they and we're like, okay, cool. So how, how's all going? Like, well, we're not bringing any Air Force. Uh, because we're safe, we only have two two aircraft, and we're saving the weight. Um, and so the Air Force, the PJs are the best combat medics, and the CCT guys are the best uh, communicators. But we're not bringing it because we're bringing just seals and an EOD guy. And um, so if you if you know how to use a radio, you might want to put a pouch on. If you're the radio guy. Congratulations, you're the medic because you went to. You know, you were an HM in the 90s. Do you know what the, so what the thought process with that was? Is that they, they wanted everybody so shit hot tactically that they didn't want to bring 
I mean, not that those guys yeah. don't know what they're doing. No, but... no, not, it wasn't. No, they, they know what they're doing, but they wanted redundancy as far as they want. Everyone should be a breacher, a sniper, a comms guy. Like everyone was experienced enough to have these quals yeah. that if we lost half, we could pick it up. I got you. Um, and so um, we're trying to get our shit ready. And, and this is where it got really weird as far as uh, team guys is other guys knew something was happening. And they would say, uh, hey, hey, seriously, what's what's going on? And I would say, I have no fucking idea. I have, And they're like, come on, dude, you can tell us. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And so we're doing shit, walking around all the shit, and then we're all day long. And then we, we get into um, Friday. They said, all right, here's the deal. Go home right now. Be with your kids. Put them to sleep. Have some drinks. Come back Sunday, and we're going to read you in. We're going to go somewhere, and we're going to read you in on what's happening. I'm like, cool. Who's going to be at the read-in? And they said, well, the vice president, the secretary of defense, the secretary of the Navy. It's like, the fuck? Yeah. And then they're going down the list. And they said, uh, so-and-so, CTC pad, and the State Department, blah, blah, blah. They're going down the list. And I caught it. I didn't say anything out loud. But we, I went home, whatever. We came back in. And we're, we're, they put us in vans, four dudes per van. We're driving south. And um, my boss in the back, my buddy's driving, another buddy up front. And I said, CTC pad, if we're going... If we're going to Libya, why would CTC pad be there? I said, that's a counterterror pack Afghan desk. They found bin Laden. And my boss looked at me and he said, you know what? That's exactly what I was thinking. And there was no cheering. But the guy driving, I'll never forget, he looked, he looked me in the mirror and he goes, oh, Neil, man, if we kill Osama bin Laden, I will suck your dick. <laughs> did you call him out on so, that? Did you get a blow? What's funny is I did... Three weeks of the day, we're standing over his body. And I said, now as good a time as any. <laughs> but, <laughs> it was, you know, whatever. But when we got down there and it was, um, you know, they put us in a room, guards outside. And they said, um, the CEO came in and said, uh, you know, the reason you guys are here is this, this is as close as we've ever been to Osama bin Laden. And uh, they brought in the team, especially the girl, the woman that found bin Laden. And she started telling us it was bin Laden. And it was, uh, you know, there, there was so much shit how smart she was. Kind of like, all right, stop. I trust you. Yeah. Where do we go? They had a site there. We we trained on it all day, all night, just to come up with what contingencies we could think of. Because we came up with the perfect plan, faster up in front, let guys out, put our team on the rooftop. But what happens if this happens, if this happens? We're just training all day. We fast rope so much. Like, I still have permanent, like, damage from holding a rope. Like, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I have it's really bad arthritis now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, but we're training, and then they had that two scale model that we talk about every night and we're, um, you know, whatever. And, and one night, one of the bosses said, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And the youngest guy in the room said, well, the helicopter could crash in the front yard. I'm like, what the fuck was that dude? What, why <laughs> yeah. we should talk about that. And yeah. so we did. And then, um, and we went out West <laughs> to, uh, that's one of the things that, you know, they, uh, that you're not, so I'll we'll just say it was, it rhymes with Mary and Mifty Mun. And so we're out there, they had a site and now we're just sort of training on, um, it's like <laughs> we're training on a site just to show the powers that be that here's our capabilities. And uh, it was actually President Obama afterwards said, you know, I was never convinced he was there, but I was convinced you guys could go in and find out and get out. Yeah. And so we cut, you know, made the call and then we went forward stage to um, to Jalalabad where there was already another team there. And just kudos to them. They were so fucking badass. I mean, imagine being deployed and another team comes in to do that mission that they were totally hospitable. Love those dudes. Which and, guys? Um, which team? Which oh okay, so they, they were deployed. Yeah, they. I mean, I think a lot of people are are curious about that as to the why. Well, Can, well, because 
there was a team back home that was on standby. But if if they left to be training, something came up. So keep them local. If the team overseas stops working and is training, something's up. But we're supposed to be training. So if we go places, no one's going to notice, which is true. Yeah. That's why. And it's, you know, whatever. And they, again, I'm the luckiest unlucky man in the world. Yeah. Um, so we got picked and, and then we went over there and they were great. And we hung out. We, we did get the green light on a, on a, on a, on a Friday. We, cause so we had 40, 48 hours of darkness. We chose to go on Sunday because of the correspondence dinner in Washington on Saturday, where if the president of the cabinet get up and leave all the press is there, something's going on. That's how, you know, they were about it. And then we said we ever leave on Sunday. So we, um, we went to a brief, um, final brief, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And, and uh, Mc, uh, Bill McRaven, Admiral McRaven came in and he said, uh, now we, at this point, we don't need a pep talk. Yeah. And he said, uh, he said, so um, uh, I watched my favorite movie last night, Hoosiers. And the best part of the movie is when the coach took a, a short dude, the shortest guy on the team, put him on the tallest dude's uh, shoulders because the kids are looking around how big this arena is. They've never seen it. He said, uh, what's the measurement from the hoop to the floor? And he said, 10 feet coach and coach, what's the measurement? Something like that to the, for the back of the room to the free throw line. And he said, uh, 15 feet coach. And he said, you'll find these are the same measurements as your gym in old Hickory. Um, only the, it's a bigger audience. And he said, you guys do this every night. It's just a bigger audience, you know, something like that. And so we're leaving. And oh, I remember cool. saying, I said, Adam McRaven, you're so fucking busy doing what you're doing. I doubt you watched Hoosiers last night, <laughs> but you were fucking born to give that speech right now. Yeah. So That's that was just awesome. Cool. And it was so cool. He was there at Sergeant Major. Army guy was there. And, uh, you know, we had our last hugs around the fire, last smoke or dip. And then we went out and then we got on the got on the same buses that we always take. And we get on the birds and we left. And, uh, Flying and as a you know flying from Jalalabad as opposed to going straight up the river, we turned sort of to the right and now and then the the pilot came over and said you know we're now we're in Pakistan airspace. Yeah. So now it's like fuck man, we don't even know. I, like these pilots have only known about these birds for like a week and a half. Yeah. Like we don't know if this works and we don't know if like Johnny High speeds on the anti aircraft shit looking this way over the Pakistan border. We don't know. Yeah. Um. So you get shot down, but now it's like well, worrying about it's not going to help. It's not going to stop the missile, so stop worrying. And that's like that's advice for life. If you're worrying about shit that you can't affect, stop wasting your energy. Stop yeah. worrying. It's no, not going to help. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I, so I'm, I'm looking around and uh, like I'm trying to see how dudes are handling this. One dude has his earbuds in and he's asleep. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking this dude, this dude is asleep, literally on the ride to Osama bin Laden's house. And my weird mind was like. Ice in your veins, and I see why women find you attractive. Fucking awesome. <laughs> and I'm on, I'm on a chair. Cairo's right here. Cheese is right there. And it's like, here we go. Let's yeah. let's live for 90 minutes so we can get in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm curious. The obviously the speech had its impact, and you know, at that point, everybody on that uh, infiltration ride uh, has a, a fuck ton of experience, a ton of training. Yeah. You know, a game as much as as an a game can be had. But but there had to have still been a, a level of nerves because of who it was and and what you were doing and and yeah. the, the the gravity of it that, yeah. that affected you guys. Well, the the thought process was that I mean we didn't say suicide mission, but we said this is a one way mission and we, we need to get comfortable with that yeah. because we're going to get shot down. Um, there's going to be a fight. 
And if anyone's going to blow himself up, it's been Laden when we're in the house. Like, yeah. uh, we're going to, here was this, I mean, it just happened recently in Syria with that leader of ISIS. Yeah. And that's scary. They lost a bird, third floor blew up. Like, th that happens. The scariest part was we're going to run out of fuel and we're going to be stuck in Afghanistan or Pakistan. Yeah. And we're not at war with these guys, but we could, you know, either going to fight to the death with them or I'm going to end up in a Pakistani prison as a white guy. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. Shit ain't fucking cool, man. Because yeah. uh, like we don't like a lot of people don't know that when you're going on long range missions, there are forward operating bases or where you can fuel and shit. Yeah. There's nothing Not there. there. That's why we couldn't take so many people because yeah. they needed the poundage of weight of gas to the point where we might just have to ditch these fucking things and run across the mountains. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But like, but we, then again, we talked about the woman that jumped from the North Tower. We talked about the people that fought on Flight 93. Yeah. And that's they weren't supposed to fight. We're supposed to fight. We're fucking doing it. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm sitting on a little camping chair, um, um, counting. I, I counted from a zero to a thousand, a thousand to zero, trying to get through, um, you know, just, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, we're going, but we've been on missions before and we accepted it. So it wasn't like fear, but it's like, when it hit me was when we banked to the South, we're 10 minutes out, 80 minutes in. And I, I was counting, but then out of nowhere. And I don't remember how I remember, I don't know how I remembered the words, but I have a tattoo. It was so impactful to me. I said, freedom itself was attacked this morning by a faceless coward and freedom will be defended. Yeah, and that's, that's what awesome. George Bush said on 9-11. Yeah. And I'd like, fuck counting. I'm going to say that again. And, and that's when it sort of hit me. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. This what, is it. I'm on this mission. We're going to kill him. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you've told that story a million times. There's the book yeah. that, you know, I, I, I don't know that. And I know we're short on time, but uh, so you guys do the, do the mission and, um, I am curious afterwards, uh, getting, well, see, and that's a, that's a good part too. And I'm at the point too. the fucking team, we killed them, right? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't matter what happened inside. We fucking killed them. Awesome. The cool thing is uh, how we got out because the, the helicopter pilot saved everyone's life by crash landing. He didn't crash, he crash landed EOD and one of our breaches blew it up. And then another team had to come get us. And this wasn't a stealth bird. This is a Chinook seal team six is now rescuing seal team six. When we get on a bird, we're leaving. And um, that's when it got interesting because now they know we're here. And they have F-16s that we sold them. And an F-16 against a Chinook is not a good thing. <laughs> so we're just leaving. And I'm sitting next to the sniper from the mission that rescued Captain Phillips. I got a dude from Blue Team here that's from New York. And he's he's like the whole New York thing. It's like, holy shit, fuck yeah, on behalf of my family type shit. We can get shot down though, but worrying about it's not going to help. And I, you know, a lot of people don't get credit. The fucking air crew guys put their butts in those seats. They're going to be just as dead as we are. Yeah. They're all fucking heroes, but we can't worry about. It. So I started the um, my watch. Just it's ninety minutes. If we can live for ninety minutes, and cross that border, we have F-15s there. We're good. We got to see our kids again. But worrying about that jet's not going to help. So we're just watching it, and no Long one's saying ninety shit. Like, minutes of your life. Oh yeah, ten minutes, twenty minutes. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. And you're kind of looking around like you're watching a no-hitter at the top of the seventh at Yankee Stadium. Like, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> don't want to jinx it, but it's 60 minutes, 70. Yeah. And now it's 80 minutes. And I, I do love the sports analogies. So we're 80 minutes. And uh, it's like miracle on ice when the Team USA, that young hockey team, is beating the Russians, the best team in the world, they're not supposed to win this game, but they're winning 4-3. Yeah. And you can hear them counting down 10, 9, 8. And it's like we could see people are nervous. And then uh, all of a sudden, 85 minutes into a 90-minute flight, the pilot, who was obviously hauling ass, came over in that pilot voice. 
He said, all right, gentlemen, for the first time in your lives, you're going to be happy to hear this. Welcome to Afghanistan. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Five minutes early. Yeah, cool. yeah. yeah I, apparently uh, uh, Chinooks can fly very, very fast when yeah. you want them to. Yeah, maybe a good tailwind. Where, where, so where was Bin Laden's body at that point? He was, he was in the other bird. So for some reason, the first bird that crash landed went into ours. And they were going to leave and refuel with another Chinook. And this Chinook's going to come get us. So we split. The body went in that one. And we took some DNA in this one. And we kind of split it up. Yeah. And that was also a little nerve-wracking because we still had a, a half team on a bird. And then when we landed, though, they landed. And like, damn, nobody was hurt. Yeah. And then they, we pulled Bin Laden's body out. We, um, um, Admiral McRaven came over. And I'll never forget that. Like, the, I remember he kind of put his hand on my shoulder like a proud father almost. And we're looking at Bin Laden. And, um we're, we're still not, you know, we're making sure it's him. And the tallest guy we had was one of our snipers. He laid him down next to him and the sniper was about six, two. And, and, and I guess McRaven was talking to the white house and said, yeah, well, we laid one of the snipers down and he's two inches shorter. So, you know, and I guess president Obama said, um, so let me get this straight. You can destroy a hundred million dollar aircraft, but you can't afford a 99 cent tape measure. <laughs> and actually a cool story about that was afterwards when Bill McRaven, sorry, Admiral McRaven, was retiring, um, President Obama had one of his guys hand deliver him a plaque um, with his, you know, goodbye president, but there was the tape measure on oh, the plaque. That's fucking great. God, that's awesome. Badass, that's yeah. a cool inside joke. Uh, were, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. We're, uh, to, to wrap that kind of from a closure standpoint, uh, you know, I know there's there's always the conspiracy theories, what have you, but- um, Yeah, yeah, of course there is. Were you on the, you were on the ship that uh, he supposedly was no, no, I wasn't. And, and again, um, if you would have asked me in 2012, um, that there would yeah, be 100% that we, we turned it over to the army, the army flew it to the <clears> ship, <throat> threw it off the ship. Now, if they told me he was in a, in a Han Solo carbonite thing, it's TIA. I, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the government. <laughs> yeah, shit. So, I mean, I can assure you he's dead and there are pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah. no, I know. They, they're in a, they're in a, they're in a damn, uh, like a, a a file cabinet, like there, yeah. like no one gives a shit. Yeah. I think the CIA even tricked us and they kept his gun and gave us a different gun, yeah. saying it was his. Yeah, no shit. Did did, did you manage to? Uh, maybe you can't say it or won't uh, lift anything, just not valuable, but just off of the target site that you have as a. Um, I I the only stuff that I grabbed were um, stuff that we might need for SSE. Yeah. And they were pretty good. They were pretty good about making sure we were clean when we when we got done. I. Yeah. You know, I mean, and looking back, like I wanted to live. I, I didn't give a fuck about souvenirs. I mean, yeah. looking back, it's like shit. That would, if I knew what an NFT was, man, that would have been a kick-ass <laughs> NFT. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Uh, and like even some of, even some of like the the opium, it's like you know, I, if I ditch this med kit, I yeah. can put the opium. In. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Oh, that's a trip, man. Um, all right, before we wrap up here, I do want to talk about Ukraine, um, just because yes. it's it's such a hotbed right now, and and I know everybody's going to bitch if we don't, uh, deservedly so. So. What is your yeah. take on what's going on, um, especially having been there, having trained with some of them, knowing, uh, I think, collectively, the, the United States, from a society standpoint, has become 
history experts as it relates to Eastern Bloc Europe uh, over the last you know week or so, and, and I'm just curious to get your take on it and, and uh, what your thoughts are. Well, I mean, my initial take is this: this is what tyrants do when when somebody shows weakness, and I don't I don't just mean the Biden administration, but that that is a big part of it. But it's also someone like Macron. It's someone like uh, the Canadian Prime Minister. What the hell's his name? Justin again? Trudeau. Justin Trudeau, who's the, the ultimate beta male. Yeah. Um, it's people like Germany that, well, we'll just get all of our oil from Russia. We can shut down the Keystone Pipeline instead of using that to, to fuel what Europe needs. We'll just get all our oil. We get oil from Russia, too. And, you know, we're going to shut it down. Proof that um, if you make climate change your number one concern for defense, you're, you're, you're ridiculous. Yeah. And so all this is, is uh, Vladimir Putin, if you know him, he, he's, always, he's always wanted to crush the dollar, mm-hmm. which he's doing. Uh, but he's always wanted to take the Soviet Union back. He's been really pissed off since the, the Soviet Union fell. Yeah. And he's also at the age now, too, where he kind of realized he's going to die eventually. And he wants to be up there with Lenin. Yeah. He wants to be up there with Nikita Khrushchev. Um, and, you know, he's already basically threatening nuclear war, which is really scary yeah. when you get and, and, and everything. You know, there's everything from from the oil, from from <clears throat> the um, the land grabs to the money that a lot of people are making. There's a lot of people that want war because it's big business mm-hmm. and a lot of people that are fucking crazy so right now ukraine i mean the people there god bless them and i i mean i can't imagine what they're going through imagine defending your own home imagine handing out guns to people who've never used them to 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 fight the the infantry coming in the the armor coming in it's horrifying uh the 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 sad truth is though they're not part of nato um they they probably want to be but i mean this is the whole thing with like people like germany and france laughing at us because they don't pay well, well, France might, but Germany doesn't pay two, 2% GDP to NATO when they should. They're the whole reason we started. They started that damn war in World War II. Yeah. Uh, but now it's kind of like, hey, Europe, deal with it. Now, yeah. if they you know, if they attack um, if they attack Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, who do pay their fair share, by the way, uh, God help us all. I mean, I guess from, NATO's- yeah, I mean, from a, you know, NATO or not, I guess, you know, I'm curious as to your take, especially with your experience having lost brothers, I mean, we both have, you know, we both know some of the, the best men that we've ever known that ever will be that are not here anymore from fighting yeah. in, in two places that, that, uh, that you've been, um, irrespective of all of the politics, NATO, not fucking nukes or not, blah, 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 justified or not, is that, do you think we should have any boots on the ground involvement to defend them? Right or, now? Or no. Is there um, a red line where, yes, you would say, you no know, there is, time. there is because you got to figure uh, no, I mean, again, I, my heart goes out to them, um, but th- this is this is not our fight. Yeah. And you gotta look at the bigger picture other than the 24-hour news cycle. This is all part of the big scheme for China to move on Taiwan. And I mean, like it or not, Taiwan is a bigger concern for us. Our first concern should be our southern border. Agreed. Because it's not just migrants trying to work here. We have Al-Qaeda coming through. And, you know, no one gave a shit about Ukraine until all of a sudden people are fighting. And now it's 24-hour news cycle. The lobbyists, both sides of the aisle, because there's a lot of money in that. Send over body armor, send over missiles. That's a lot of money. And these, these assholes that get the $100 million contracts, they're making bank off this. War's big business. Yeah. Keep in mind, the only president in recent memory to not start a war was the only billionaire to get in there. Yeah, yeah, I know. He didn't need the money. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, running for a 19th term, she's making uh, 100 and something, 1,000 a year. Has some way, she's worth $150 million. Yeah. Um, big, um, but... <clears throat> So it's a new cycle, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Wait until that. Uh, wait until the suicide bombers hit an elementary school in Arizona. Yeah, it's like, oh, why weren't our borders sealed? 
because we're fucking idiots. That's yeah. why. I mean, even like we talked about at the beginning, look at some of these students. Hey, how's communism now? Wait till, wait, you know, God forbid a nuke gets dropped. Oh, there's, yeah. hey, what would Che Guevara say? Yeah. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think uh, yeah. if, if that's not a big enough kick in the nuts or slap in the face to, to make people wake up and understand the grim reality of, of weakness and, and what you project as a nation over time, the impact that that has on a lot of other things, uh, I, I don't know what does other than, you know, that shit actually happening here. To me, what worries me the most is is the cyber aspect is that oh, yeah. b- because it's so quick uh, and so so vastly reaching is that, you know, t- to me, that's that it's almost like an instantaneous nuke um, hand over hand baseball bat oh, yeah. kind of game of it, it only takes one side to to start fucking with the other for it now now to end up basically we're, we're in a nuclear war with them because of it you uh-huh. know because of, yeah, I, I, you, exactly. you you know goddamn good and well that if if it if it comes to that then you know they're going to they're going to attack critical infrastructure type things not just things that are a pain in the ass shutting facebook down or youtube or whatever and, and as soon as they do that i mean we have no choice but to do something about it you know and and, and at that point I mean, I, I I worry about what those fucking next steps are, and and well, I think ima- it could happen imagine, fast. Um, imagine, <clears throat> okay, take the chaos and panic from a lack of toilet paper. Yeah, <clears throat> that yeah. that happened. Can you imagine if everything just got turned off? Well, yeah. So now you got nothing. I mean, we have we have people graduating from high school now that don't know how to tell time on a clock and can't write in cursive. Yeah. I doubt they can handle map and compass. Yeah, like this is, and I'm talking straight up primal. I mean, I. I, I'm not doing worst case scenario, but I mean, we thought there's no way in hell. <clears throat> Some of those movies where they locked everyone down, there was riots going on. That could never happen here. Oh, it fucking did. Yeah. Well, that, and I mean, so, imagine a scenario which, especially with what's happening right now, is, is not out of the realm of possibility is that, you know, tomorrow morning you wake up and there's no power, there's no water, there's no internet, right? There's no satellite assisted anything, and the US dollar is worth basically zero. Like, I, I can tell you, like, 80% of the population isn't going to make it two weeks, you know, and, uh, and, and that's, no, I agree. You know, and, and that, that's I not, agree. not a, a wild scenario right this second, you know? So, um, I mean, cyber stuff's scary because you get some of those, some, I mean, the good news is we have great hackers on our side, yeah. but we've seen it before, but they shut, they shut our, a little bit of our infrastructure down and yeah. we're screwed. Yeah. I mean, people can't survive without fuel. We had people that couldn't get a I-95 because of snow. I know. You shitting me? Yeah. I doubt crazy. they can gut an animal. Yeah. Uh, so, President O'Neill, what would you do? I would first tell people, just like myself, I am not afraid to eat people. So that's what I would do right now is I would, you know, it's going to take two years, but you got to kickstart the, the pipelines. Realize that like it or not, no matter how green your ship is or whatever the gender is on your bathroom, you need power to fight these people that don't give a shit about this nonsense. Stop making decisions based on emotion. Be realistic. Um, deterrence, alliance, solidarity, and 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 hold fuckers accountable. Um, as shitty as it is, you have to do that. And and it's not so much the nuclear aspect. I despise that. It's one of those things that you know you wish they could disinvent. But t- uh, you need to attack um, uh, Putin's banks personally. Shut him down. Get him out of everything. Crush the ruble. Uh, get our shit running. And and you know go, someone go smack Germany around. Pull your head out of your ass. Yeah. Do you think that, uh, I guess from a, his kind of threat of if you try to interfere and, and him being vague enough with that, you know, to try to deter people of saying you'll, you'll basically, the, the way I took that is unless you're Japan, 
you're, you're going to see some consequences that, that your country has yeah. ne- never seen before. I mean, I, I think we can all read between the lines as far as what he meant yeah, by yeah. that. But, but, you know, to me where, where the, the tricky part is, is, is what does, what constitutes interference, you know, and, and not kowtowing or, or being submissive to that. But, you know, if you shut his bank accounts down, is he going to be that rat trapped in a corner that decides, well, fuck it, you know, let, let's, uh, let's yeah, unleash some things scary. then. And, you know, and so it's, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, I, I guess yeah, from, well, I from, mean, from a, a tactic standpoint, you'd, you'd still go after him that way. And, and, and I'm not saying not, I'm yeah. just curious. Well, not, I mean, not with the nuke aspect. I would never, you know, I would never want to, but again, that's a deterrent. We were the only country that's used nukes. Um, we do have them out there and not just the land base, you know, subs and ships and all that stuff. But I mean, just think how scary it is with the hypersonic missiles they're testing. They're doing that for a reason. They're showing yeah. us what they have. Um, and he, I think that the stark realization he's bitten off a lot more than he thought. Yeah. And, uh, you know, rat trapped in a corner, who knows? But yeah, I mean, you, you're not going to win this through, um, here's the red line. Okay. Here's the new red line. How about yeah. no, no, you need to win it with force. And that's it. And yeah. realism, be yeah. realistic. Sorry that, sorry that I'm a dick or sorry that I send mean tweets. Yeah. I honestly, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I use the analogy of say a brain surgeon, like I don't have to like him. You know, if you walk in, you've got stage four brain cancer and there's one guy that can operate on it on the planet, you know, that, that can do it. You walk in and he's a total asshole and you say, well, I don't want him. I don't like him. Like, I mean, to me, that that's kind of the equivalent of what we're seeing right now. But, yep. um, but I think that, uh, you know, the, the things that are transpiring right now within Russia with, with corporations, the soccer tournament pulling out to me, that that's honestly probably the most effective way is that if, if he loses almost all of his support at home, I think that's going to be his biggest kick in the nuts. And, and frankly, well, because the, again, he's, he's in it for his legacy. He, he yeah. loves a legacy idea. He, he loves mother Russia. Yeah. And, and, and if he goes down as a tyrant. I mean, getting compared, I mean, not that it's uncommon, but no shit getting compared to Hitler yeah. for doing actual Hitler type stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's got to hurt him. Yeah. I mean, cause he's the point now where the Russian soldiers are starting to realize they've been lied to by Putin because he told them, well, they attacked us and now we're defending Russia. No, you're not, yeah. but they're realizing that. And the, the whole thing with uh, social media, you're, I mean, it's scary that we're seeing this at a new angle. Like these are, that's some mom on her second floor with yeah. an iPhone watching missiles. You know, Fucking crazy, crazy shit, man. man. Yeah, crazy. I don't shit. wish on anybody. And again, you know, I, to reiterate, I would love it if if we could defend Ukraine. Um, but there, I mean, there's this is this is one thing going on right now. Yeah. I, I I wish them well, and I I hope Europe helps them. But yeah. getting boots on the ground there, it's 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 a it's a no go for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Well, I'll tell you, man, you and I could talk for 10 hours uh, oh, a, a no. week, I think, honestly. Like, uh, I, could, I could have you on the show once a week. Uh, may, maybe we ought to do that. But uh, um, I, I know you got to go. i got to get going. Um, I, well, you got you to plug the book. Well, so tell me about the book. Look. Oh, my, my tomahawk just fell down. How about that <laughs> shit? That's another story. Yeah. Uh, the Way Forward is coming out um, March 1st. March 1st. Or and, it will uh, be out. Depending. And so and you, you and Dakota Meyer and myself... So Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer and I wrote a book about uh, what it's kind of a book about what do you do now? Like the whole thing being prepared because life happens around you. He's a dude from Kentucky that uh, like raised chickens and was a male cheerleader. And then he gets a Medal of Honor <laughs> for his, you know, killing, killing a guy physically with a rock in the Gangel yeah. Valley. Um, uh, the guy from Montana who got dumped by a chicken up in Bin Laden's bedroom. We've all been somewhere. We're all cut from the same cloth. Now what do we do? And so it's a good book. There's some funny stories like about my, the, my brother smoking weed. And there's a hunting story in there that just, it blows my mind. I, I was I was in tears when we when we wrote it, um, but it's just a book about being normal, like uh, guys that just get it. It's it's a really cool book. Great stories you haven't heard. Um, yeah, it's out soon. It's out. It's out now. You can pre-order it now. It's uh, Barnes and Noble. Or sorry, not Barnes and Noble. But it's uh, 
Harper Collins and the way forward. You can pre-order it. You can order it. No, and if you're going to have a buddy read it, don't, don't give him yours. Buy it again. Yeah. What is, is there a, a singular message that you want people to take from it? Um, you know, that's just, that's just it, that you can do anything you want as long as you keep your mind into it. Um, it's, 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 it's not one day at a time. It's one meal at a time. And, um, my, my, my two favorite pieces of advice are, uh, for, for young, well, I, I use this in, as a frame of being a, a man is uh, if you're young, ask her out, just ask her out. Yeah. Stop being afraid. And if you're an, uh, or, or him for the, or him, Rob, yeah, or whatever, Hey, whatever. <laughs> um, and also, um, whatever it is, learn from it and get over it. Yeah. Is, is it, there... but, but you're going to, as long as you present yourself, wherever you are, just be there yeah. and, 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 and you can make good shit happen and good shit can happen. And you can, uh, you know, what is the thing, you know, I, I tripped over my dick, but I fell into a million dollars. Is there uh, one aspect out, uh, uh, about the book or out of the book that would surprise most people that they wouldn't expect that's in there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to get into too many of the stories, but just how, yeah. how, how much alike we all are. Yeah. Um, the, the, and I said it before, but this, one of the sayings I came up with writing this is, is uh, it's a big planet, but it's a small world. Yeah. Um, what, what I get out of it, too, is like Dakota talks his I don't want to ruin his part, but I learned so much from from a person that I killed where years on, you kind of wonder why. Because we both knew we were right. Yeah. Um, Nobody thinks they're the bad guy. Neither one of us are the bad guy. And we're only fighting each other right now because we were born in different places. But had we met earlier, would we have gotten along like in a coffee shop? Yeah. So uh, it's, 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 some, it's some shit that mess with your mind. No, there's doubt. a human element. So yeah. that's that's your takeaway from it. And plus, it's just, it's just a fun book. This yeah. one's very funny. Yeah. How how did you guys write it together that way? Like, how does that process work? Well, we I mean, we, you kind of just get together. It started in a in a in an office in Washington D.C. and you start talking back and forth, like get up and pacing and telling different stories and taking notes of what, I mean, we say at the, at the, at the, like people will know what part's yours and which part's Dakota's. I'm like, well, he was a Marine. So his part was written a lot slower. And in crayon. And in crayon. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you can see, you can see corrections on his laptop in crayon. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that's fucking great. <laughs> uh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. Uh, go, go, go. Yeah. Uh, March 1st, you said. Yep. Awesome. Um, well, I'd, I'd love to get you in the studio. I'd love to have you back on on a regular yeah, we're basis. Gonna do that eventually. We've, been say, we've been saying we're going to do yeah. that for a long time, yeah. but we're going to do it. For sure. I'd love to get the two of you sitting on the fucking Oprah couch and, uh, and maybe do some. That's a good stuff. idea. Yeah. You know what? We'll, we'll do that. We'll yeah. do that. Awesome. I'll call him. I'll call him. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. I can't thank you enough uh, for sharing the time. Uh, Mike uh, drop supporters and, and watchers, viewers of the, of the channel. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, sorry, it's taken me so long to to get together and collab with Rob to get him on here, but uh, it's been hard for both of us. But yeah. at any rate, uh, we'll keep an eye on the news. We're going to get this episode out as as quick as we can, given how fast cool. things are changing. But um, oh yeah, yeah. But definitely, uh, thank you for your story. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, you're a fucking hero in my book, and and uh, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Everybody, go pick the way forward up March first on uh, any book outlet, and I uh, appreciate you coming on, my man. Well, I appreciate it, man. We'll do this again. Good seeing you. I'm right. glad we finally did this. You were, uh, you were a hero to me as well. Oh, come on now. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, well, and that's, and that's one of Dakota's things, too. I, he made a shirt that says Dakota Myers, my hero. That's a new thing. <laughs> that's fucking great. I got to get one of those. Yes. Okay. Right. Awesome, man. Thank you. And uh, until next time, this is Mike Drop.
I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.